Colin Trevorrow has been like I think he he talked about where Jurassic Park or Jurassic World two could go, and he talked about like because the embryos that they took from the lab go on a helicopter with the doctor and they leave the island. He was envisioning the embryos and dino DNA basically get open source and like are bid on by other countries and cultures. Whoever you know, the highest bidder could buy a dinosaur embryo and make whatever they want with the dinosaurs. Okay. So if they're if they're trying to train dino, like that whole speech that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character gives about like dinosaur special ops things, like I would not be surprised if they go that direction. Like that was planting the seed for what you could see in the sequel. Oh, I don't know. It just, it, it I don't, I, uh, <laughs> the idea of, you know, oh, now velociraptors are smart enough to be soldiers. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to get you all fired up. Oh, no, no, the, the idea of him training them was cool. Like, you know, using the clicker like you would with a dog and training right, them, right. you know, that way them being, like, loyal to him. That was, you know, very plausible. But the idea that we're just going to set them loose to go after terrorists in caves, oh, yeah. it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> like, I mean, you know that's a basis for a movie, because you know that's going to go horribly wrong. There's no way in hell that's going to work. You know, if they start the movie with, you know, like a James Bond intro of them trying it, you know, bef- you know pre-credits intro to the movie of them trying to use velociraptors to go into caves and... It going Something horribly wrong. Of, of like a James Bond intro of like dinosaurs being parachuted in behind enemy lines and like that would be <laughs> they exactly. have little earpieces where they're getting messages from Q or something and well something along those lines would be what they would do you know airdrop the damn things in and then maybe they have it be that the new Jurassic World is actually like a lost world because the climate in the Middle East is similar enough to the climate from. You know, the, <laughs> Just... the Jurassic period and the Triassic period, so they, they form a new dinosaur habitat in the middle of So they of just the fly day. over Iraq and just drop a bunch of dinosaurs. That's their problem now. You guys deal with that. <laughs> well, no, I think, like, they're, you know, they, they drop the dinosaurs in, the, you know, like the raptors, they drop them in with the earpieces, like you're saying, and they're telling them where to go and, like, all right, go into that cave and just eat people. And, <laughs> you know, like, that's really the goal here is to send them in and just have them eat terrorists. And it's like, <laughs> it sounds so funny when you say it out loud. <laughs> exactly. That's the problem is it, it sounds so ridiculous. I don't know. Like, it, this is the problem with these movies is that Michael Crichton tied everything into a nice tight little ball. And they were just like, well, let's make it a ball of string and give it to 10 cats and see what happens. <laughs> It's a very good analogy. So, I think you've just described every writer's room ever. Yeah, every every movie adaptation could be summed up exactly like that. Yeah, between, between the director, the people in the studio, the writers, everyone's a different cat, just messing with that ball of string. Welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and his Super Friends, the internet's 474th ranked geek entertainment podcast. 
I'm your host, Brian Labick, and for this episode, my guest includes someone who's had a few weeks off, but he's back with a vengeance, Andy Stalls. Hello, hello. And of course, we can't have a show uh, without at least one of the mics, so this week it's Mike Bradley. Uh, all right, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> if that's the reason I'm here, we have to have a mic, so I'm here. All right. It seems like the quota, right? It's every week I have at least one mic. Lately, it's been both of you. Yeah, that's true. He He does speak down to me sometimes. It hurts. <laughs> I hope he listens to this. You hear that, Mike Romano? <laughs> Mike, Mike Bradley is hurt. Uh, all right, so we're going to try to sort of get this thing on rolling because we started a lot later than we wanted to for this, so we are getting shorter on time the more we procrastinate. But uh, on tap for this one, I think it's sort of back to our normal routine, or at least what we sort of do when there's nothing really big to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about some trailers, and we're going to cover some geek news stories that have hit over the last couple weeks that's Basically put on the back burner, because I think they're... I, I couldn't do two weeks ago, and I wanted them to save room for The Walking Dead that we did last week. So, within those two or three weeks, there's been, I think, a, I feel like a decent amount of stuff that I want to try to cover. So, we're going to cover trailers for... There's a trailer number two for Assassin's Creed. We got a Guardians of the Galaxy teaser. We got our first look at Logan. And for all you Rockstar video game fans out there, there we finally got uh, confirmation of Red Dead Redemption 2 in a quick trailer. And as far as some news stories we're going to hit, there's uh, some news for the Han Solo spinoff movie that is a key casting role. Uh, a few directors have left some high-profile comic book films that we're going to talk about. One director that has been added to a video game adaptation that I'm actually kind of looking forward to. And then we'll probably end with discussing Nintendo's newest system that they announced. Which looks a little crazy, but we'll get into that. So, kicking it off, we're going to kick off with... Uh, as I mentioned, the second trailer for Assassin's Creed 2. This is one I actually wish we had Mike Romano for because he's the one that's the big Assassin's Creed fan. Uh, so I don't, it didn't, I guess it gave us a little bit better of a look at the movie. We got a little bit more, I think, of the, the present day stuff that they showed. Um, but if you, I think, I feel like, I know we've talked with Andy of this in the past, maybe the last time we talked about the trailer, but pretty sure he said he doesn't play any of the games. Mike, have you played any of the Assassin's Creed games? Oh yeah, yeah. I've played. I played every game up through. I believe four was the one with the pirates. Um, oh, see, that was one of the best ones. That was the one yeah, I tell Andy to play because he's a pirate fan. I am. Yeah, I'm a fan of all things pirates, and that would probably be my Assassin's Creed like in game. <laughs> that that <laughs> like one to get into the world. <laughs> I highly recommend playing two at least before you play that one, just to get. So that you can enjoy it to the maximum when you play four, because you know you want to get the physics down of the game and how the um, kind of the parkour system works, and it, it it takes a bit of getting used to. But I mean, they I, give you tutorials for all that stuff every time you start, right? They're, they're assuming you're, this is the first time you're picking up an Assassin's Creed game. Kind of. I, I just feel like they're the parkour among the pirate ships requires a lot more skill than, say, Rome did in Part 2. Um, okay, so it's it's the Roman Empire, number two? Uh, no, it's um, Rome during the time of uh, um, the Borgia Pope. Um, oh, okay, okay. It, so it's not the Roman Empire, it's like medieval, you know, like in... It, it's... It's pretty fantastic. Um, 
Yeah, that is a pretty. I I like two. Two's a solid game. Three I, was um, the one that looked amazing, and then it really let me down. I wasn't as thrilled. Three took three. a really long time to get going. Like it's yeah. really slow at the beginning. I um I played the demo for number one, and like I don't know the sneaky type games where you have to like sneak around and not get seen, hide, and stuff like that. Generally, don't hold my attention very much. Yeah, so one, I was kind of like meh. The the first one had a lot more of that being required. You know, like, you were really highly penalized for not sneaking, and you were probably going to lose the battles. And two, you can go just balls out straight into a battle, and you can come out ahead at the end of it. Like, they give you a lot of different options on how to assassinate people, and, you know, you can just go headlong into it, and your weapons are enough that you can actually hold your own against four or five others and i felt like in the first one you just kind of had to flee the scene yeah yeah that's what i remember so plus i mean assassin's creed 4 the black flag pirate one just the the ship combat like getting a pirate ship and sailing the seas and fighting other ships and storming forts from the sea with your ship and stuff like that like that i feel like would be up your alley that's a lot more pirate-esque and fun to me it was all about the legendary battles where you you had to sail to a certain part, and if you were a certain level and you sailed to a certain part of the sea that you were on, it would bring up different legendary pirate ships for you to battle. I like Queen Anne's Revenge and stuff. Yeah, and it was just incredibly hard. Like you had, if your ship wasn't up to the task, it did not play down to your skill level. Like you just got annihilated if you weren't you know a high enough level yet but it made it worth it like seeing like testing the waters like poking in and seeing like am i ready for this yet (laughs) you know and and then the game bitch slaps you and says no you're not yeah it really back off homes (laughs) you know Um, they were fun (laughs) so i'm kind of hoping that this uh this movie does well which i might see in the theaters i'm still like kind of him hawing about that but if it does well maybe we could get a pirate assassin's creed movie Ooh, <laughs> excellent. that that would we'll be to, uh, pretty we'll awesome see how well uh pirate the next pirates of the caribbean movie does yeah i don't know four was kind of eesh pirates four yeah that, I, I didn't like that movie it still made money. Uh, it, it, it had it had moments that i thought were pretty okay but there were a lot of weird things like the mermaid and that one crew member it was just weird yeah, I don't. I don't remember anything about that movie. They they screwed up Blackbeard. I mean, how do you screw up Blackbeard? Yeah, uh, he's, I, he's I would, the most recognized pirate of all time, and, and you fucked him up. Yeah, I, I was, which is weird because the, the actor they chose to play him is usually good in everything. Yeah, and he was good as Blackbeard if he had given they had given him a better role. Yeah, yeah, I, I just. I don't know. I, I didn't want them to go the supernatural route on Blackbeard. Like I, I, I felt like that was unnecessary. Just have yeah. him be somebody who can pull off the same sort of crazy stuff that Jack can, but intends to do it and has a plan to do it ahead of time. That you know, what I mean, he's more calculating or something. Right. But I don't know. I, I it was disappointing. But we'll see what the new one does and. Uh, bringing it back around to Assassin's Creed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we kind of got pirate. off on a pirate standard. It, it, it happens. 
but what do you guys think of the the latest trailer? Was there anything in there that stuck out to you that was maybe better than the first one or caught your attention? Anything you still want to see from this movie? I honestly didn't see much from the second trailer that I didn't think I already saw. I would agree with that. I mean, a little trailer showed a little bit more of like the the present Present day stuff. stuff. Yeah, just I think the first one focused a lot more on the on the past stuff. Mm. Yeah, but it, I mean, it still didn't really show much more. If it did, just just a few more like uh, conversation exchanges between right, him right. and that woman that att- attaches him to the animus. So yeah, which the more I see, like I wasn't real sure how I felt about the animus, like the the thing that straps to his back and around his waist. Like I'm used to them just laying on a table and doing that kind of thing, but creatively, the way it seems like it's going in the trailer and like the freedom of movement that that gives. And seeing him almost like, it almost looks like he's like traversing and fighting holograms, but you know that that's just sort of like in his head, like not everybody yeah. is seeing that. And I you know like it, that, that style that they're doing with that. I yeah. think that's pretty cool. It really right. reminds me of the uh, the second Divergent movie when she's attached to the thing. Uh, see, I didn't see that one. Dream. I couldn't watch more of that after the first. <laughs> <laughs> But it, to me, the, the the problem I had with it, and the thing I don't like about it, is that they're going to have him be able, if he's moving like that and able to battle holograms and things, he's going to be able to alter the past as opposed to just experience it, which is more to the effect of what the games were about, was you were experiencing the past to find information for the present. Uh, see, I thought that's what they were doing in this one, though. It, but, but if he can move around like that, why would he need to do that if he needed... Like, why would he have to learn how to battle as himself? Well, I, think it, I think it leads more towards, like, the, the whole point of the game. Like, as you go further through the series of the game, the main character you played as, Miles, mm-hmm. started to get to the point where he'd be out of the animus and know how to do all these moves that the assassins did. And it basically comes of, like, muscle memory. But he's laying on a table, so how do you get muscle memory from laying on a table? I feel like experiencing this... all of it thoroughly, you know, like they experience it so, so thoroughly that he's actually, he's still actually doing what his ancestors did, but not actually controlling what was being done. Like he had very little say in what was actually happening in the past is the way I always took it. And do you think that's changing in the movie? If he can move, he's... if you have to move around like that to do what he's doing, I would say it looks that way. I mean, I looks guess maybe like they're just trying to find a way conscious to... choices to change the things. Well, maybe they're just trying to find a way to convey to the audience that this is, you know, what he's doing and I don't know to, to better emphasize that he's interacting the way he is instead of, yeah, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with it. I sort <laughs> of lost my train of thought halfway through. Oh, that's fine. Um, I guess that's kind of a question mark that the trailer leaves. Like, is he actually just replicating what his ancestors did? Or is it like his actual consciousness in there and he can actually make choices? Right. I guess, I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I think whatever he does, I don't think it's going to be like a time travel thing. Like he's not going to be able to, I think, I think it's the same basic premise. He's, he's experiencing what's happening in the past to get information that these people that captured him want because they're looking for something. And they're they're using him to get to it. I, I don't think that's going to have a uh, catastrophic effect on the past or anything. Like he's going to change the past to affect the future type of thing. 
Well, that that was why I was wondering why he has to move, though. I guess it's just a stylistic choice how they did it. They just didn't. They maybe they thought for a movie going audience it was boring to just have someone lay on a table when they're doing that. Because it worked in the Matrix. They yeah, just lie, they just laid down on the table and didn't move unless they got hit, and they were like, wah, 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 wah. "Yeah." <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's cheaper that way. Like if just have Fastbender attached to a wire, lift him up in the ground, and have him do all these jumpy things in an enclosed space, as opposed to like going on location and trying to do this through parkour thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't well, know what you're getting at. There, doing that just is, be laying on a table is, would be the other choice, and then you're just filming right. them in the past. And right. what's well, I mean, like maybe they wanted to cut back on scenes in the past, so they filmed it like that for present day. What, what my take on it though is like, aren't they kind of doing both? Like they're going to show you what he's doing in the Animus and what he's doing in the past. Like, yeah, and they're, they're going to meld it together, so they're kind of doing both. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, and I mean that that stays with the game. Is like you play parts of the game in the present, parts in the past, and you know it's all following one linear story and all told. But I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how they explain it. Yeah, like I, I'm hoping that he's not able to alter the past. That, that I mean, just. From my yeah, I don't think they'll go that far. I think that that changes yeah. the dynamic of what, especially what the game did. Like if they're trying to stick closer to the story of the game and, and how the game works, that that's not how the game works. So you have a lot of people, I think, really pissed off if that's you know people that play the game and know the story, which is a lot, of piss a lot of people off if somehow yeah. it's a time travel thing. Yeah, time travel fucks a lot of things up. Look at heroes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, my other issue with it was uh, something I believe I previously mentioned uh, to Brian was that I, I felt like the essence of those games was the big assassination in the first few games that would come. Like, um, spoiler alert for you, Andy, but uh, at the end oh, of la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> the end of Assassin's Creed Two, you actually have to infiltrate the Vatican and assassinate the Pope. Okay. So, you know, it's that big, giant, oh my god moment, like, how am I going to pull this off? And it doesn't seem like they're going that route with the movie, because the the first two games, at least, you are more of a lone wolf. And the third uh, game, it's like actually Assassin's Creed 2, but it's Brotherhood, and you develop like a team of assassins that you work with and I think they're going that route in this movie obviously since they're showing lots of other people wearing the assassin's garb um and I think I'd heard too that uh like I think some, maybe even the director had said like 70% of this movie is going to be present day oh wow which which is a difference than the game. The game majority majority of it takes place in the past. You're not too worried about the future present day stuff. Right. I'd say I so don't know I if think I there's like gonna that be either. a lot yeah, I think there's gonna be a lot less past stuff like you know, stuff in the Spanish Inquisition than what you'd expect. Yeah. And that's why I'm hoping they yeah. don't show all the good stuff in the previews. I'm hoping they still keep some of that stuff in the movie. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, I don't the know if they'll get the high-profile assassinations if that's not where the focus of the movie is. If it's focused on present day, they might not go that far into the past. Although the high-profile assassination may be a present-day assassination. Yeah. Maybe maybe Jeremy Irons. 
It could be. Except I mean, normally those guys are after, like, they're after a MacGuffin. So I don't know if he'd have to, unless he has to assassinate the guy after the MacGuffin. I don't know. That could be a thing. What the hell is a MacGuffin? The MacGuffin is, it's a word for stuff, and it's a, it's a movie term. Like, it's it's the thing that a character in a movie is after to move the plot forward. Okay. I mean, I, I, I've been waiting for the games to go that route, where, you know, as opposed to getting tidbits of present day, all of a sudden, now there's a whole game that takes place present day, and instead of climbing some church in, you know, 1500s Rome, you're climbing the Empire State Building. Uh, or, you know, like... Well, they're getting closer. Like, Syndicate yeah. was, was getting up there. Yeah, well, I mean, like... I don't necessarily mean with the height. I just mean, like, being able to go through the present day. Yeah, I mean, like, like each game seems like it's getting closer to present day. Right. Like, Syndicate... When the hell was Syndicate set? That was in England at some point, but I don't remember what time That, that was, like, the 18... Uh, I want to say 30s or 40s. But I'm not... Is that Jack Jack the Ripper time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I'm just saying, like saying, I'm like, like I'm really looking forward to that, and that'll probably be the next one I buy because like I heard nothing but bad things about Rogue, and it didn't, like I haven't played it. I, I may eventually now that it's probably really cheap to pick it up, but yeah, the I, last I, couple I think Rogue and Unity weren't all that great. Yeah, Syndicate's like, supposed to be really good. Mike actually, the other Mike played that a lot, and he said he really enjoyed it too. Okay, so it's got the uh, Assassin's Creed Faithful's recommendation. Well, I mean, as far as I don't know, the movie goes. I'm looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to it. If not just for, like the one thing that could get me to the theater to watch it in IMAX is IMAX is just the Swan Dive. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Like, that could definitely be something to experience in an IMAX theater. Just that That's probably going to be an incredible scene, especially since it looks like they're going to give you a bit of a POV on that one. Which and, kind of... I, I'm kind of... I don't know whether they changed it for the trailer or if you're going to get multiple swan dives in the movie, but the first trailer, he swan dives off a finished building, and then the second trailer, he swan dives off, swan, swan dives off a building that they are currently building. Like, it's not finished. Mm-hmm. It's like scaffolding. And if he so doesn't land this... in a bale of hay, I'm going to be really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if they if they edited that or changed that, or if it's two different swan dives, like, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, and multiples I... would be great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I will say, I hate the music choice in both of these trailers. I don't. It doesn't work for me. Uh, it, it was not memorable. I don't remember listening to the music. It pulls me out. Really. Like, I, I just don't expect the kind of music. Like, I don't expect to hear that kind of music when I'm watching the movie, so I don't want to hear it in the trailers. Yeah, you're hoping you don't have to hear that in the movie. Well, yeah. I guess if it's in the marketing, who knows what they'll put in the movie. Yeah. A lot of trailers make bad choices for music, and some make good ones. Um, Speaking of good music and trailers, that's my segue to Guardians. Actually, I was leading you to Logan, actually. I thought you'd take that one. Oh, that's (laughs) another good one, too. (laughs) Yeah, both of those have much better... Yeah, you can't. Places. Yeah, we can't fight that. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, well, uh, well Guardians will be clo- be quick because it's there, there's not really that much there. No, no. I I was disappointed with the Guardians teaser in the music in one instance only. I was hoping for a new song this time. I was, <laughs> you know, I was hoping for a different one. They went with the same song, and I was kind of like, 
I guess that's the one that was built around the marketing for the first one. So they want to remind people, like, hey, it's that movie you like. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping the the first full trailer we get, that you get a teaser into what the mixtape volume two is going to be all about. Yeah, I think that's more likely. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, music played such a huge part in the first movie that it oh, has yeah. to. Oh, yeah. Um, so the yeah. little bit that we got, like the minute and a half, I think, for the Guardians teaser. Uh, what did you guys think of that? I'm assuming it's going to be in front of Doctor Strange. That's probably why they released it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my my initial take on it was, one, you didn't get a whole lot there because it was mostly like a bunch of jump cuts. Um, yeah. You know, you got to, and then you get, you know, the Drax joke. and Which I loved. Yeah, that it, it really was a good joke. Uh, <laughs> and you get Baby Groot, of course, which... In a uniform. In a uniform, and you get him standing on Rocket's shoulder, and you know you get the cycle completing itself there. And I, I yeah, think I wasn't that's sure how big they'd make Groot in this movie, and I I kind of love the fact that he's just this tiny little thing. Yeah, I, it's a very interesting twist. Like I am really hoping that it is the same Vin Diesel voice when he speaks, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's just a tiny yeah. little thing, but I am Groot. Yeah. I, That'll be fun, but you think we'll see he can what just they do. Kind of grow on command and like still like throw his arms out as big as he used to. You like know? I don't know what he's going to do in a fight if he's just stuck in that little form the whole time. He's probably just going to be. be crazy. He's probably just going to be like comedy relief at this point. Well, I mean, not that they need any comedy relief. That everyone's pretty funny in that. But um, what do you guys think about Yondu? Is he part of the Guardians now? Mm, I I'm going to say no. Yeah, I would say no. I think um, there's a heavy preven- presence of the the Ravagers. Yeah, like you see a lot of extra Ravagers in the in the teaser trailer, so I think they might be helping the Guardians for whatever they're fighting. But I don't think they're going to be part of the team. I, I would say you you could see it go that route where they're helping, or you could see it go you know Yondu goes full on villain again. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, my bigger concern with Yondu right now is the Mohawk. Um, oh, you don't like the mohawk? He had a mohawk last time. It just wasn't as pronounced. Right? Yeah, he has like right. a fin now. Yeah, right. yeah, he has like a full-on thing going there. I, I don't think it's a. I don't mean concern necessarily. I'm saying like I, I would th- say that's like the biggest thing we can definitely say. I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm on the fence about it. Like it's like I liked how it was the first time. I don't know if I like the full crazy mohawk this time or not. Well, I think I'm not now sure. it's closer to what he actually looks like in the comics, right? Yeah, I think the comic book character actually has like a big fin, and they toned it down for that first one. I I think he goes between both actually in the comics, depending on who's doing the art. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, the the original iteration I believe does have the big fin, and I I I, I really am not sure how I feel about it, but we'll see. I mean, I'm always happy when they go the route the comics went, so I'm not going to yeah. complain too much about it until I see how it actually plays out. And yeah. Did we did we see uh Nebula in the in the teaser? I thought I saw a snippet of her taking off a hood or something. Yeah, that's yeah, a briefly. quick shot. Yeah. It almost looked like she got captured by somebody. Yeah, so she do you think Gamora maybe is trying to recover her or do you think she's going to be an antagonist again? I actually think it's more likely that Nebula could be part of the team. Oh wow! Okay, she like, seemed like, to really you know, like hate they, Gamora, though. 
Yeah, but I think it's more like they're going to pull together against a common enemy. Like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of thing. I don't see that happening yet. Um, Too soon? Well, I mean, you know what role Nebula plays in Infinity Gauntlet. And if she's going to end up in that role for the same thing... I don't want to give any spoilers out for people that have never read Infinity Gauntlet for the Infinity War movie in a couple of years here. But it uh, she, she plays a very big role, and she's not a friendly character at that point. I mean, I'm not saying she's going to end up like, when you know, the movie's over, everybody's buddy-buddy. I think she could help them for this movie and then just, like, say, fuck you at the end and go her separate way. Okay, so you're saying an ally, not necessarily a guardian. You're, you're not saying right. she joins the team, you're just saying... Right, right. For the, for the sake of this movie, she's part of the team. Okay, That's sort of sort of what I was going with. So their goals align for a little, a little right. bit of time. Yeah, Just I, like, I could uh, see that being possible. Sort of like you know, like X Men Two happened. Like Magneto and Mystique were helping the X Men for that movie, and then by the end of it, everybody went their separate ways. Yeah. Yeah. Now the the other thing um, that I'm not, I, I don't think I seen, but I thought I had heard the rumor that. Uh, Oh, uh, what the hell's the character's name? <laughs> um, the girl with the antenna, the antennae on her head um, in the comic. Uh, Mantis or something? Yeah. I had heard she's actually going to be in this, but I didn't see any... I don't recall seeing any snippet of her presence there. Well, yeah, th- I think... th- th- that might be something that they reserved the... For one of the trailer official trailers, I think yeah, maybe a full trailer. You might get that. This is definitely just showing you, hey, these are all the same characters, like the main five. Like you get the Guardians in this teaser, and that's it. Yeah. Well, I guess a quick shot of Nebula too, and like you know, Yondu. Some of the characters that stick out to you and you remember from the first one, but I don't think they're ready to show you new characters yet. Like we said, we haven't seen Kurt Russell, who's a new right. character in this movie. Yeah, I mean I he's guess, e- he's ego, right? Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, so they're just kind of throwing the member berries out there and hoping yeah. they take hold. Yeah, this, I think this is no nothing more than, for the people that don't realize another one is being made, this is for them. Okay. Like, all of us, we follow this stuff. We know this movie's coming in May. Yeah. That, yeah, that's yeah. true. That, I mean, yeah, that's been marked on the calendar for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so moving on to... Another Marvel trailer that used excellent music, which I think we might actually be able to dig into this one a little bit better. But Logan finally has a trailer, which could, for all intents and purposes, be Hugh Jackman's final appearance as Wolverine. That's the rumor. Um, And, I mean, from everything that the trailer has shown and the rumors prior to the trailer, was talking about adapting the old man Logan storyline, which seems to fit for the trailer. Yeah, I mean... What do you guys think? The, the whole thing with adapting Old Man Logan is, to me, I wish that Marvel Studios and Fox could have came to some agreement on this so I could see yeah. Wolverine cut his way out of the Hulk. Um, that that would just be like, to me, that was like the coolest scene from Old Man Logan in the comics is the Hulk eats him. He reforms in the Hulk's stomach and shreds his way out of the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> so... Not being able to have the Hulk in the Hulk clan as the villains, it, it throws me off completely on Old Man Logan as 
to the point that they're just taking the character of Old Man Logan and telling a completely new story with that character. Because wasn't Hawkeye involved in that story, too? Yes. Hawkeye's also blind uh, in that as well, yeah. Hawkeye (laughs) is... He plays a big part. He's like the secondary character for the story, really. Right, okay. So I guess they're substituting Hawkeye for maybe Professor X in this movie? Okay. I I mean, I could see that. Um, Because Professor X wasn't in the Old Man Logan storyline for the comics. No. Yeah, it does look like Patrick Stewart has a pretty big presence in this movie. Which begs the question, how far into the future do you think this movie is? Because, like, the fact that a Professor X is still alive and kicking, I don't feel like it's as far in the future as I expected it to be. I w- is he alive, though? Or is he just, like, is he such a telepath that his body is gone, but he's in Logan's head? Or is Logan oh. just seeing him? <laughs> I mean, is he just a memory for Logan? And Yeah. You know, um... But I do want to say I believe I had heard that this takes place, like the time setting for it is like in the 2020s or 2030s. Okay. So See, it's I feel not... like that's a lot that needs to happen in the next, you know, 10 or 15 years movie time for them to get to the point where it looks like fucking Mad Max. Well, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that was kind of the thing with Old Man Logan, and they never used Old Man Logan as continuity. You know, it was its own separate realm you know it did not it was not actually official universe canon for marvel or anything like that it was just well until secret wars well yeah that that well that changed a lot of things i just mean when it was originally wrote it was intended to be you know a one-shot story that wouldn't this be an awesome story to tell and they told it and then of course secret wars i don't know yeah i secret wars threw me all off i I was (laughs) It, it kind of mi- mixed everything together, and I don't know. I think they would have been easier just to say, hey, we're rebooting a bunch of stuff and put out new series kind of the way DC did. Um, it, it So them trying to include it in their X-Men continuity for Fox is going to be really tough. <laughs> you know, just speaking from the idea that when it was originally made, the original idea of Old Man Logan was not for it to be a part of the greater universe. Yeah, I, I, you know, the the seed that Andy just planted with, like, Professor X might just be in Logan's head and might actually be dead already. Right. Would make sense, I think, for me. Like, I hadn't, that idea hadn't occurred to me. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it makes sense as well from the aspect that, you know, even in their continuity, you know, Logan doesn't age at all from, like, the 1850s to present. Right. But then in the next... 15 to 20 years, he's old as shit now. Yeah, suddenly like, he's not healing yeah. right, and he's growing yeah, old and shaky. He's got scars and stuff now, so that's that's something really new for for um, the Fox X-Men universe. So. Yeah, I think I'd read that the director basically sort of like wanted to do a different take on the healing factor thing, so they're saying like as he's getting older, it's just not working as well. Yeah. So he gets cut, and it heals the cut, but it leaves a scar now. Yeah, like, I mean, the, the Old Man Logan, in the comics, it actually does touch on the same idea. Okay. That, you know, like, he, or in the comics, he doesn't use his claws. Um, You know, he feels like he has, like, one last pop left to pull them out. But because it leaves wounds when he does it, he doesn't use them anymore. 
Okay. Maybe that's why we don't really. I mean, we we see a very small snippet of him using the claws in this trailer, so maybe that's yeah. the same concept. Which is also a very interesting part of the trailer because it hints at the possibility of another character that you haven't seen named or titled yet. Is that X twenty three? No, I was going with Dakin. Um, X twenty three. I think there's plenty of hints there that that's going to be the little girl. But, Which is raises a bunch of questions to me on its own. Right. It, what I'm specifically speaking of is when he throws the claws up in defense. He's on his back on the ground, and there's lo- what looks like claws coming down at him. Mm-hmm. I've seen still frame images that people have posted up uh, on Facebook and different news feeds about it that they take the same shape almost, and it looks like Dakin's claws. Because um, Dakin actually has like two that come out of the top and one out of the bottom of his arm. And I thought he had one up, one at the top and one at the bottom. And the, it might no. be one and one. I thought he who had, has who has the claws that come out of their feet? Is that X twenty three? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, X twenty three. Oh, she has, has one t- claws out of her wrist and her. Ankle. She has she has two. I think that come up the top of her of her hand, like normal mm-hmm. Wolverine claws. Two up there, and then she has a third one, single one that comes out of each foot. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then I think I think Mike's right. I think Dakin has. Two, two up top and one underneath his hand, coming like the bottom of the wrists? I, I believe so. I believe it's three. I'm just going to look at a picture. I was going to say, i got to Google that now, too, because now I'm trying to fucking remember. Yeah, I can't remember if it's two or three individually, but... So just for people that, that aren't familiar with these characters, can you summarize X-23 and Dakin for people? Or can we try to piece that together? Like, okay. X-23... I'm I'm a little bit more familiar with X23, and that hints at what happened at X Men Apocalypse, the end of X Men Apocalypse. Andy, did you see that movie? X Men Apocalypse? Yeah. Yeah, I was during I was here during the review. What okay, I don't remember who saw what. I'm sorry. <laughs> Half the people that I think have seen movies haven't, and then have, you know what? Either way, sorry. But so the 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 end of X Men Apocalypse, you have the guys with suits coming into Weapon X facility. They grab a blood sample from Wolverine. And they tag it in the Essex Corp briefcase. Essex Corp is tied to Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister does a lot of work and experiments with mutants. X-23 is the female clone of Wolverine. So you could connect the dots and say they took the blood sample from Weapon X, gave it to Mr. Sinister, Mr. Sinister tried to clone Wolverine, and you have X-23. Yes. So X-23 would be, I'm pretty sure it's confirmed, is that little girl that's in the trailer. Now, yeah. the fact, like, the word for me, the timelines don't line up, is that if Mr. Sinister takes the blood sample in the 80s, and somehow we're in the 2020s, why does it take 30 years for him to clone this person? Like, you know, this, that timeline to me doesn't match up. I feel like she should have shown up earlier in the timeline. And then the other side of it is, if this is actually Hugh Jackman's last Wolverine movie... And they want a Wolverine character to use for future X-Men movies or to continue the franchise after him. X-23 is the logical replacement. Mm -hmm. But the time period that they're setting her up in doesn't seem like it would be conducive to continue the X-Men franchise from there. I agree. Um, But if I remember correctly, Sinister does a bit of time hopping, doesn't he? Uh, maybe. Like, I don't think it's part of his powers. He just might have a way to do that. Well, I, I seem to, like, in the whole, um, what was the name of the storyline? Um, 
Is was the, Mr. The Sinister? Um, go ahead. Was Mr. Sinister the one responsible for the Savage Land? I think he did a lot of work in there. I don't know if he was responsible for it. No, I don't, just... it, it was around before Sinister was introduced in comics. Okay. Uh, because Kazar was in the Savage Land. Yeah, and yeah. Kazar is ancient in Marvel comics, and Sinister came about in the eighties. Because I think I remember, you know, I'm drawing from '90s cartoon, but I'm pretty sure Sinister like did experiments and worked in the Savage Land. I think right, I feel yeah, like that's, that's where they tracked him that's down. That's kind of where his base was in the in the cartoon world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is, uh, in Messiah Complex was the name of the series. He's dealing with Cable and Hope, and kind of chasing them through time a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um. So he he does have some access in some way to time travel in the comics. Whether they would go that route in the movies, who knows? Because their timelines already are fucked up enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, these X-Men so, timelines, I'm so fucking tired of them. Start putting time travel into it. <sighs> so who real quick tangent, happens. now that you brought up Hope and Cable, did you guys see the, the short film, the like six or seven minute short film I put on the Facebook page? I no. saw that you put it there. I did not get a chance to watch it yet. Somebody made a short little fan film of Cable and Hope. Of like they they must come back from the future to like check things out present day, and then they start getting hunted. And then they have another X Men cameo somewhere in there. But it looks like it could set up like I don't know if it's actually going to be like a web series or it's just like somebody's short little film and that's it. But it was pretty fucking cool. No, I'll definitely have to check it out. I, I meant to. It just. Yeah, that when you yeah. mentioned Cable and Hope, that jogged my memory because that's who's in the in the film in the short film. So yeah, it, anybody that's listening, if you want to check it out on the Facebook page, there's a Cable and Hope uh, little short film that's on there that I put up earlier in the week. Uh, but uh, Dakin, did you, do you can you explain Dakin? I don't. I'm not sure. familiar with him. Um, well, first off, we I, I was right. It, it's two on the top and one on the bottom for his claws. Okay. Okay. And it, in that picture, it appears to be claws that would like match up to that same sort of setup that he's fending off of himself. Um, so it's possible. That would be a nice twist if like they confirm X 23s in the movie and then surprise Dakin's here too. Yeah. And so Dakin is, uh, Wolverine's, um, biological son. Um, and, he was born uh, to a woman that Wolverine uh, had met in Japan. I don't believe... I mean, it's not Mariko, but it was... Uh, it, let me see who the name of the woman is here. I looked it up because I didn't actually know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the name of the woman. I, you know, I, um, We're testing your Marvel knowledge here. Uh, an Akahiro or... Natsumi. Um... Yeah, Akihiro, I looked it up a little bit. Akihiro was uh, Dawkins' given name, was it? Yes. Okay. And uh, I believe the woman's name was Natsumi. Um, But nonetheless, he ends up basically being the bastard son of Wolverine that Wolverine, I believe, never knew about for a time. And he grows to hate Wolverine deeply and becomes a significant villain for Wolverine, um, nearly manages to kill him, and I do believe in the death of Wolverine, 
if I remember correctly, plays a very big part in the death of Wolverine. Um, for those who don't know, the death of Wolverine, he ended up encased in molten adamantium. And if there's one thing that Wolverine can't break through, it is adamantium itself. Um, but it, he joins and kind of leads up the Dark X-Men. And he, he is basically just kind of a dick. Um, <laughs> you know, he's a whiny little kid that wanted daddy around more, even though he was an evil bastard. Um, so uh, he's a very villainous character. He's very deceitful. He uses and preys upon Logan's um, guilt and uses that several times to try and defeat his own father. Um, well, that would be a fun villain. I think that'd be a nice little surprise if he shows up. It, the, the, the other one is, um, if I'm not mistaken, the only other thing I can think of that he played a major part in, if I'm not mistaken, was in the reboot of the Ultimate X-Men comic. So, like, Volume 2 Ultimate X-Men. I do believe that Dakin is meant to play, because the, the Ultimate Universe changes things around a good bit, and I do believe they call him Jimmy Howlett in the Ultimate Universe. Um, cause it, you know, it takes place after ultimatum where like half of everybody dies. Yeah. So the teams all rebuild and I do believe he plays a part in there as a hero, which is one of his only roles as an actual hero. Um, overall a very cool character to see on screen has some really cool comics out there, but a lot of them are kind of ho-hum in my opinion. So we could have a bunch of like spin-off Wolverine characters showing up in this movie. Could yeah, very well could be. Um, All right, it, so it, I have a couple quick questions. Uh, one, do we think Wolverine's going to make it out of this movie alive? Do you think he, the last Hugh Jackman Wolverine movie? You think he's going to die? I think it has uh, a pretty strong potential for that. Yeah. <laughs> um. I would say they're more likely to leave it up in the air. Yeah, I could see it doing like a walk-off in the sunset type of thing. Just I, in case they want to bring Hugh Jackman back somewhere down the line. I, I was thinking more of a, is he dead, is he not dead kind of ending. Yeah, okay. Like, you know, like they don't actually give you a certain answer. Like one of those things where you think he might be dead. But there's that inkling of chance that he's still that, alive. Like the hand and... twitches right at the end. Right. Yeah. Like the like the thing with Magneto and the chess piece. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I could see that very well being the case, but. All right. Possibly another casualty. You think Professor X is going to make it out of this movie alive? He's already dead, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think stick Andy, with Andy's theory. Know, yeah. <laughs> if he's not, if if Andy's theory is not correct, I would say. Um, yeah, I, Professor X makes it. Um, you think, think he makes it? I think one way or the other they have to load up for Cyclops eventually killing Professor X. Uh, See, I don't think that would work unless you have the Avengers. It can work without the Avengers. It can work as a Phoenix storyline. You don't need the Avengers to be the reason that he gains the Phoenix power. Okay, so wait, this is, this is the other thing too, because the trailer makes it a mention. It's, it's cut up line of dialogue, but it is line of dialogue. 
that Wolverine says, mutants, they're all gone. So, if Professor X makes it out of this movie, and Cyclops is gone, okay, he, he wouldn't have a chance to kill Professor X. <sighs> unless unless that means they're not dead and they just went somewhere, but why there doesn't seem like it's such a desolate, deserted place, and there's no mutants anywhere really to be found but Wolverine. It You know, the trailer makes it seem like there's no one else but these two. They could be on three. Asteroid M. Now, that would be fucking cool. <laughs> but I, I don't think they'd do that. Yeah, but I agree. I, I don't think they'd do it, but, you know, if we're throwing out possibilities. Well, yeah. <laughs> so. You want to throw stuff and see if it sticks to the wall. That's a, that's a good one to throw out there. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm kind of thinking that Professor X is alive in the movie, not just a figment of, of Wolverine's imagi- imagination. As cool as that would be, uh, I do think he's alive and well. I think he will die by the end of the movie. There is a shot of Wolverine presumably burying somebody. And the logical choice is Wolverine, because in that shot we only see Wolverine and the little girl. I I feel like the burying scene, personally, having read the comic, is his family in some way, shape, or form, somebody close to him. And that's the reason he ends up... It, but what know. family does he have left? Like, Professor X is it. Well, in the, the Old Man Logan comics, he has a wife and kids. Like, yeah, but nothing in this trailer tells you that he has that in this movie. True. So I'm I'm putting my money on Professor X going. I think I think that's that's a death scene for Professor X. It'll be the second so far. So <laughs> you know, second, he, he's already died once. So it wouldn't yep. be surprising to see it happen again. Can't keep the professor down. Yeah, I mean. It, the sad thing is, is they, you know, have to hand that mantle of playing the mature, older Professor X over to somebody else eventually. Yeah. You know, and if they got one damn thing right with the original X-Men movies, it was Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, McAvoy so. could just grow into that role, right? He's just getting older by the day, so. <laughs> yeah, well, they can do amazing things with makeup and CGI, too, <laughs> so. Um. All right, so sort of going back to the point that I was talking about, all the mutants are gone. What the hell do you think happened to the mutants in 15 or 20 years from the point of, I mean, well, I guess maybe it's longer since the last time we've seen this timeline is from the 80s in X-Men Apocalypse. So that's maybe 40 years. Wasn't wasn't there that virus that uh, that struck all the mutants? There, yeah. That Wolverine would be... In the, would... In, in the movies or... No, in the comics. Uh, the, the phalanx. Um, Phalanx virus, yeah. The one that Colossus kind of injected into himself and sacrificed himself to kind of find a cure for. Was that the Phalanx virus? No, know. no, that that was a different virus. That wasn't the Phalanx. Okay. But, but... Was, yeah, was that, that the virus that killed Colossus' sister? Isn't that why he did it? I can't remember. It's been a long time. But yeah. Wolverine would be immune to something like that just because of his healing properties, right? Well, he would be to to that one um, somewhat, but the the virus actually um, was able to negate their mutant abilities in somewhat. The one that you're talking about that Colossus injects into himself. Um, so I I really don't know. I mean, they, they nothing says that their virus has to be uh, the same as the one that was in the comics. Um, if they went that route. Um, I mean, we can presume that this is the timeline taking off from 
X-Men Apocalypse. Like, this isn't the present-day original trilogy X-Men timeline. Right. This is the new rebooted, rebooted post-Days of Future Past one. Right. And personally, um, I think the virus is a possibility, but I'm crossing my fingers that there was a reason that they had the little girl in pink in Days of Future Past sitting in Quicksilver's living room. And that at some point yeah, she utters no more mutants. And, <laughs> you know, it, it would be an explanation as to perhaps why Logan has scars. He, you know, she pops out, says no more mutants, same way, destroys all the mutants. Logan's healing power keeps him alive, but he's no longer a mutant, so... He scars, popping his claws. He still has them. He doesn't lose the claws, but it hurts him to do it. Um, something along those lines would be interesting. Um, but Yeah, that's, you know, Scarlet Witch is really overpowered in the comics. I think they dumb her down a little bit for the movies, even though she's still overpowered in the movies. Uh, but her, oh, she could basically, yeah. like, make wishes and they come true. Yeah, the Scarlet Witch is the only person I would say undoubtedly defeats Superman 100% of the time. <laughs> um, she 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 thinks it so, and it is so, and she can negate his existence with a mere thought. Um, Superman's fast, but I don't know if he fires faster than neurons. Yeah. So, I but they do overpower her, and the whole House of M storyline very much... That would be a different you know, different way to take the X-Men universe, I think. And it would be an interesting way to take it, too. Because the characters can still be alive. Yeah, yeah. And they, maybe they just don't have mutant powers anymore. I, you know, who knows? But it, they're both interesting ways to go, because the virus could be what Sinister was after. Yeah. You know, maybe that's why he's taken that. You How know, the DNA at the end of that yeah. apocalypse. He's trying to create a virus, not necessarily do the cloning work that he's known for in the comics, but maybe he's trying to kill off mutants, because they did say that Donald Pierce is going to be in this movie, didn't they? Uh, I don't know. I don't know who that is. I, I want to say that's who they said was going to be one of the main villains. Um, now I'm going like, to like who is that? Who is that person in the comics? Uh, Donald Pierce is the leader of the Reavers. Oh, I think um, I heard that the Reavers were going to be in it, so maybe. And if the Reavers are in it, it's not a far step for them to also include the Purifiers, which would be more along the lines of what Sinister would be doing with a virus trying to eliminate mutant powers. Um... See, but... I thought he was always going for mutant perfection, not trying to eliminate mutants altogether. Right, he was, but like I said, they've messed with characters before. Nothing. Oh, uh, so don't. they just spin him the opposite direction. Right. Uh, so, Sinister is going for mutant perfection, but he was created by Apocalypse, who really is essentially kind of mutant perfection already, right? Um, not in Sinister's he, eyes. Yeah, I think Apocalypse well, yeah, sees but himself Apocalypse that sees way. himself that way. Right, Apocalypse sees himself that way, but he's not. Um, Sinister, you know, very firmly believes that the mutant perfection lies in the Summers line. So, you know, and he, he does actually create it, um, during the Age of Apocalypse storyline when he creates, uh, Nate Gray or X-Man. Um, 
who's pretty much X Men is actually a young Cable. I was gonna say Nathan with, is Cable's name, right? But X Men himself is a highly overpowered version of Cable. Okay, he, you know he. Uh, <laughs> Take, like, all of Cable's powers and kind of mix in some Superman and mix in some, <laughs> you know, a few other extreme powers. Um, pretty much, you know, like, the height of Cable's powers, he was able to affect minds across the entire globe. And the X-Man's pretty much able to do that, but he can fly, he has energy projection, he has... He's basically indestructible. Jeez. So, you know, he that's why he was only really a big part of the Age of Apocalypse storyline is because he was a bit overpowered for what they wanted, <laughs> I believe. Yeah. Um, Alright, one last thing I was going to ask about this trailer. Who the hell is the dude with the metal hand? I'm going to have to check this out again because I don't know that I noticed that. I didn't, one notice, dude, I didn't notice that either. He's putting sunglasses on and he has like a robotic hand. He's the guy that looks like Wolverine pops claws at and looks like he's going to go after and then like the guys like the group around him looks like they're going to stop him. And I think there's one other shot maybe you see the guy from behind and you just see his hand it's, it's his right hand is a okay. is a robot hand. But I don't I don't know who that's supposed to be. I don't know if that's an X-Men character, if that's a Marvel character. Oh, no, that that's going to be Donald Pierce. Oh, is that who that is? So he, he's yeah, the yeah, weird, yeah, yeah. So all those guys around him is probably all the Ravengers or Raver, Reavers. I'm mixing up Guardians and yeah, the, the Donald Donald Pierce is um, he's actually like part cyborg in different storylines. Okay, well that makes sense then. So I would I would guess that yeah, I mean that that's going to be who Donald Pierce is. Okay. Um, well, that solves that problem. Yeah. So it, that it, confirms that Donald Pierce is in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that confirms that. I knew I had heard Donald Pierce was going to be like the major villain. I just didn't want to confirm it without actually looking it up. But <laughs> and we still haven't got a confirmation on Sinister, even though that's a rumor, right? I would say yeah. You... The latest latest rumor I heard was Brian Cranston was in the rumor in the in the running for Sinister. Nothing nothing confirmed or official or anything, but that's the scuttlebutt. I don't mind that, but I still think uh, Jason Isaacs is much better a choice. Yeah, since you name-dropped him, that's who I'm really hoping to see. Yeah. Well, wasn't he already... Was who, was, who? who was Apocalypse? Isn't that Jason Isaacs? Oscar mm -hmm. Isaac. That's Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac. Jason uh, Isaacs too is many the guy who Isaacs. played... Uh, <laughs> Jason Isaacs was Lucius Malfoy. Oh, okay. Okay. That, that, or the voice of the Inquisitor in Star Wars Rebels. Yes. He has a great voice for the role. He looks a lot like the character. He's, he, to me, he's the choice for the character. Don't get me wrong. I like Brian Cranston just about anything, but. Yeah, Andy, just picture the uh, Inquisitor voice over top the animated 90s Doctor Mr. Sinister. Oh, it'd be perfect. Yeah. And he's already pale. <laughs> or at least he is in <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> he's pale enough that he can pull it off. You know? <laughs> um, Alright, so we're going to take a break for some trailers, I think, now. We're going to move on to some of the, the news articles that I hit. Uh, 
first one we'll touch on StarWars.com made the official announcement. Uh, Donald Glover has been cast as young Han, I was gonna say young Han Solo, young Lando Calrissian in the Han Solo spinoff movie with Alden Enreich, and it's gonna be directed by Phil Lord Chris Miller, the guys that did the Lego movie and the Jump Street movies. I'm looking forward to this movie. I think that casting choice is fantastic. Uh, what do you guys think? Couldn't agree more. Um, love I don't the choice. Know. Yeah. I don't know if anybody can be as smooth as uh, Philly D, though. What? I could totally see. Wait. I gotta get my smooth little soundboard. I could side totally of the pillow. see. <laughs> Donald Glover could totally pull this off. Oh, what happened here? <laughs> <laughs> he, he can. Um, oh, I mean, we're, we're gonna have to. We <laughs> Just gonna keep using that over and over again. <laughs> we're gonna have to wait and see. I mean, you know, like, if he can really pull off the Lando smoothness, like, it's just a whole other level that Lando Yeah, I don't think he off. can, I don't think he yeah. gets his voice that deep, like, no. as, as Billy D does, but I, I think, mean, I, I think Donald Glover is amazingly talented, and I think he can pretty much disappear into any role that he's taken. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree on that. I mean, it, I think he's a good choice, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, it's a good choice. I just, I just think he'll, he'll, he'll come up just shy of the smoothness that Billy D pulled off. You think he'll do sort of like an impression of Billy D, or try to do his own take on Lando? Um, I mean, I guess the same could be said for Alden Enreich too. Uh, yeah, for I was going to ask you, do you think he's going to try and switch it up? Because I mean, we we get what what thirties Han Solo and Lando. Like they're in their thirties when we first see him. In the... Yeah, I think Harrison Ford was thirty-five or, or about that for a New yeah. Hope. Well, no, I meant like their characters. Yeah, right. I'm just thinking. I don't like. I don't know if it's if that's how they're playing. Like, if he was thirty-five when he shot that, if Lando is then thirty-five or uh, Han is thirty-five in the movie, or if they tried to play it like he was a little bit younger. Like I'd yeah, say I'm late twenties, just... early thirties, probably. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the range I was kind of going for. And you would assume that Lando and Han are kind of same ish age wise. Yeah. yeah, close. You know, they they might be separated a couple years one way or the other, but yeah, I mean, they, so, I mean, they... people are going to be different when they're younger. So I mean, they they could kind of slide a little, let them slide a little, and as far as uh, like um behaviors and personalities yeah I, i'm i mean one of the younger things and aggressive to, to me that was like iconic with lando and billy d playing him was the hair I mean, <laughs> it, that that was some fancy looking hair that he had going on i wonder if they're gonna try and oh they're definitely giving that, that to off. donald glover i hope so uh he's already halfway there it. with his hair a little yeah he, but he's not it's not billy d though you know i mean he's not <laughs> he, he's not at that level um, and I mean, honestly, the casting for Han strikes me as something I'm much more worried about it not hitting the mark than Donald Glover. Like, I think he's got it. You know what I mean? I think Donald Glover will be just fine as Lando. Yeah. And we don't, we also don't know how big a role it's going to be in the movie. That you was going like, to be another one of my questions. You know, they, he could just play a couple games of Sabacc with him and win the falcon <laughs> you know like that has to be part of this right that's what you i'm would, assuming you would think yeah this is going to be where han gets the falcon from lando and yeah. also the kessel run right 
And this is where he does the Kessel Run in 12 seconds? It could be. That could yeah. be a whole thing. I, I'm pretty sure it's part of... Like, part of it is, like, when he meets Chewie. So I don't know if, like, he's meeting Lando for the first time or if they're old buddies. And that's when they start... It almost... Like, I wouldn't be surprised if <clears throat> Han meets Chewie. Chewie and Han, you know, are just gambling, going around the galaxy, playing cards. They they come across Lando playing a card game. Lando gets a little bit, uh, you know, thinking he's going to win against Han, who's obviously doing better and starting to win all the chips and everything like that. So Lando gets a little bit ambitious, bets the Falcon, Han wins it, and goes off into the sunset with Chewie. And, yeah, we could see the Kessel run in the third act of that movie. Yeah. Well, the other thing with the Kessel Run is that I don't believe it's ever said that Han does the Kessel Run. It's the ship that did the Kessel Run. They never the fact actually that he was it. bragging about it. I feel like it's got to be him. Yeah, in the Force Awakens, he's he she's like, it didn't it? He didn't, isn't it the ship that made it in fifteen seconds? He's like twelve. Like, right. He gets, he gets heated. So that I don't know. That kind of speaks to maybe it was him piloting it. I don't know. I like. I don't. I don't know that, but it's never actually said that it was him, though, is what I mean. Like, it was... It, it, that's true, but... You know, that's kind of like the guy that buys the Porsche that can go 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds, but he's never done that with it. <laughs> you know, so... Like, it can, but... I think it'd be it, fun if you see, like, Lando run the Kessel Run in, like, 14 parsecs, and then Han's like, I can do better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. But the, the the other thing would be the actual inclusion of the explanation as to whether parsec is a measure of distance or time. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that I always that thought would, it was time. Yeah, but they all they use it as distance at different points too, and it yeah. In Star Wars, yeah. Why have I never caught that before? I'll watch again, young Padawan. I, yeah, I, I consider <laughs> myself a fan. God damn it. Yeah, that that's. It, it's there, and I don't know. I don't know. It was always something kind of strange to me, but eh. maybe they'll um, get into why, you know, he be- he bends space to make it in a shorter distance or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think sort of going back to what we were talking about, I think uh, both of these guys will probably end up putting their own little stamp on these characters. Like you know, like we were saying, I think they're they're young enough, maybe, or they're they're going fur- further enough into the past with these characters that you can see a little bit of differences and get away with it, which is like, oh, they were young at that time. So that's yeah. why it seems different than what we see in the original trilogy. I mean, one of the things that disappoints me is that it's so late that we're doing this and then we lost River Phoenix at a young age and he, you know, he could get away with young Indiana Jones, but they couldn't get him to go for young Han Solo as well. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been fun. Have them play both, you know, give them both Lucasfilm <laughs> roles there, you know, like, get them in on it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how they do with it. Uh, I'm always skeptical when it's a character like Han Solo being recast, a character that iconic. See, I'm more, I think, putting my faith in the casting agents, like the casting people. I'm assuming some of those people that were involved in Force Awakens are casting for this movie, and I thought they cast Force Awakens exceptionally well. Yes, I agree. So, considering they they have probably had a shit ton of auditions for this role, and they finally narrowed it down after you know months to to this guy, I'm I'm putting my faith in them that they picked the right guy. Yeah, I mean, I I can say yeah, I have good faith in them to cast well. It's just I. If I'm not mistaken, this is the first time they've, in the Star Wars universe, have had to recast 
a role other than Anakin, of course. Yep. Yeah. yeah. They didn't really have a choice with Anakin. Oh, Obi Wan. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's true, and they did very well with that. Mm-hmm. I, I so. Yeah, you. They didn't do so well with Anakin, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. They, they. They. Without him, they don't hold up at all. Oh yeah. But they didn't do so good with Anakin, though. So. See, I here I defend the actors for those. I think the actors did okay. I think they got a lot of shit, but I think they get shit because the dialogue was crap. And George Lucas doesn't know how to direct actors, so it came he across as yeah. wooden dialogue because they can't read what they're saying because he's not giving them direction on how to read it. I agree with that it, to a certain extent, but I also still would have much rather the rumors that Leo was going to take the role for Anakin have been true and think about the difference in those movies if it's Leo <laughs> playing that. He probably met with George and realized this guy isn't going to give me any direction. He's talking about what the set's going to look like. I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, does does Leo even need direction? <laughs> well, fair. Well, you could argue that that Natalie Portman really doesn't need direction, and she's still kind Ooh, of grew, grew up a stinker. She was yeah. still better than Hayden Christensen. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, watch him again. I I I don't know if I would go with the agree with you on that one. Especially okay. Revenge of the Sith. She's fucking terrible in Revenge of the Sith. Right. Well, I will say that she's worse in Revenge of the Sith, and he's better. But in Attack of the Clones, he was so incredibly bad. I'll give you that. She's better in Attack of the Clones. He's better in Revenge of the Sith. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, all right, so now that we've dissected the prequels for a little bit. <laughs> I feel like we do it on every podcast. It, every time Star Wars comes up, we somehow end up on the prequels talking, talking about the prequels. Uh, all right, so I'm going to move us on to... we got a couple directors that left some projects and one director that is newly attached to a project. So, probably one of the most high-profile ones where somebody left. Uh, and I have my little spiel here. Spiel here. I'm going to go through, and then I'll hit you with some questions. So, we're looking at after the success of Deadpool, Fox is trying to push out a sequel as quickly as possible to capitalize on this character while he's hot. The sequel, you know, has now hit a major roadblock. Tim Miller, the director of the first film, has left the project due to creative differences. Miller is also the co-founder of Blur Studios, which is a visual effects studio known for CGI cutscenes and action sequences that they've done for video games and movies. So there's some differing reports for what happened behind the scenes to make him leave. Uh, Some of them are stating that Miller and Ryan Reynolds had different visions for what the sequel should be like. Miller, since he's the VFX guru wanted to make sort of like this more stylized effects-heavy movie and try some different things. And Reynolds, and a lot of these places are saying he had the backing of the screenwriters, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, uh, that they were all looking for a sequel that was more in line with the first film, focusing on more comedy and the character and less on special effects and those really big action sequences. So for Fox, who is funding this movie, Miller's vision of the sequel would have cost like three times more than what the first movie made. Reynolds, Reese, and Warnick are looking for a sequel around the same, maybe a little bit more. So for Fox, they figured, well, we can make the same amount of money off this movie, and it's going to be cheaper to make, so we're going to try to go with that vision. So because of that, they're saying Miller left because he wasn't going to be able to make the movie that he wanted to make. Um, There are other articles that are saying that the tipping point came when Miller and Reynolds disagreed on who would be cast as Cable, 
with Kyle Chandler's name obviously being thrown around, I guess. Is I don't know if I don't know who agreed on Kyle Chandler and who didn't like Kyle Chandler's cable, but somehow his name keeps coming up in these articles. Um and then the latest rumor that has come out after Tim Miller has left is that at least the the guy in line to replace him is David Leitch, which is a co-director of John Wick. He seems to be the front runner front runner to replace Tim Miller. The only problem with that is that Leitch is apparently in very high demand, so his schedule may not allow him to take this job. So basically, do we think Deadpool 2 is in trouble? If one of the creative forces, like one of the big three or four guys that were involved in really pushing the first movie forward and making it happen the way it did and making it turn out the way it did, has now left the project, should we be worried about Deadpool, Deadpool 2? Anybody? Um, I don't... <laughs> go, ahead, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I don't think so. Um, based on what I was, what on your hearing on your spiel there, it sounds like the uh, director was um, trying to take it into a different direction, which may or may not be a good thing for Deadpool. But if you're looking to, as a Fox executive, to make what you did with the original Deadpool, I would stick with the same formula. And it sounds like he was going to try and shake it up. So. If we're looking to get a movie that's just a sequel of the original Deadpool, I think it's probably better that maybe he's gone if he was going to take it in a different direction. Here's the thing that I keep thinking of. It's like, think of the opening title sequence of Deadpool. Like, the, the still frame of the camera moving through the car as everybody's frozen in place, and you're seeing, like, the wedgie and all that stuff from Deadpool in the car flipping over. I feel like that shot is Tim Miller. Oh, yeah. So that's the kind of stuff I feel like we're going to miss in the sequel without him. I think that that whole sequence was, you know, I mean, they very obviously the whole movie just about when they went back to current time in the movie that it was just an homage to the uh, short that got the movie made. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that was just like, gratuitously making that point like you fans got this made so we're gonna do it this way you know what i mean like we're gonna have this opening sequence take play- part during that whole thing and have the whole movie revolve around you know well the first half at least revolve around that yeah um but as far as the movie being in danger um, no, it, it's getting made. Um, well, that's yeah. It, I mean, the movie's gonna made, get made regardless, whether or not it yeah. turns out as well as we think it should, or as well as the first one without Tim Miller is more or less the question I'm trying to ask. I guess. Well, as far as I understood, when Ryan Reynolds signed on to the character again, he wanted creative input, and he wanted his opinions to be relevant and. Yeah he had that signed into his contract. So he obviously played a big part in how the first movie was made and what happened in the first movie. And sure. I'm certain that there's a lot of that that is due to Tim Miller, but I would say that I, it doesn't concern me yet until we see where things go. Um, you know, like I, I honestly believe you're, I would say I, I'm more apt to believe it was over the choice for cable personally. Um, because Ryan Reynolds, you know, they were, 
they don't want somebody that's going to play off him comedically. They don't want another comedic actor because that's not cable. You know, they don't yeah. want a buddy comedy. It's going to be a buddy comedy in a sense because they are the odd couple. You know, they cables you know, the straight man. Right. Yeah, the straight serious dude and Deadpool's Deadpool. And I think that Reynolds didn't like the choice and perhaps wanted to go a different route. Um, but I guess we'll find out in the future. Yeah, I think this is one of those rare cases where normally it's like the, the actors are replaceable. But Ryan Reynolds is such a driving force for this movie in the face of this franchise that they yeah. have to stick with him. Like, they're they're putting their money on Ryan Reynolds, and the director in this case is replaceable. Yes. That might be the right choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, the, the, the only person that I felt, like, better than Ryan Reynolds for the role of Deadpool couldn't pull off the actual physical presence of Deadpool, but was Neil Patrick Harris, just to be the voice of Deadpool himself. Okay. You know, he couldn't fill out the costume. We all know yeah, that, yeah. you know, but just the persona of the character, I think, would be played just as well in that role. But beyond that, I don't think there's anybody else around that could actually pull off this character. Yeah. And there's something to be said for that. And there's also, you know, how how many people that go to a movie really give a damn whether Tim Miller's directing it versus Ryan Reynolds is in it. Yeah. Um, so, as far as main draws, you know, people right. are going to go see a Ryan Reynolds movie. Right, yeah. Your cinephiles are going to care more about the director, but your average moviegoer is going to see the stars on the poster and say, that's who I'm going to see. Um, and if they changed who Deadpool was, I really don't think that was going to go over very well. Yeah. You know, this, is a, this seems like a mediocre, medium-sized hiccup for the movie. Whereas Ryan Reynolds being switched off to somebody else would seem like it fell off a Deadpool cliff. Deadpool suicide, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather see the, uh, or I guess would you be kind of, well, yeah, I guess would you rather see the, the Tim, Mur Tim Miller version? Would you like to see like a little bit more effects heavy and bigger action sequences? Or do you just want to see the first Deadpool movie again with new stuff? I don't necessarily want to see the first Deadpool movie again, but I don't feel like Deadpool was about the big giant action sequences. No, that's not what I remember from it. I remember Ryan Reynolds and the jokes more than I remember like the the big action sequences. So yeah, because I, I think that movie was made for like under a hundred million. I think it was like sixty eight or something. Yeah, the first Deadpool movie, which considering the amount of effects and stuff that got into that movie, I think is insane that it was that cheap. Well, I was actually even referring to the comics themselves. Not necessarily being about, you know, big set pieces. It's about the comedy. You know, it, it really is. It's about how this bumbling idiot manages to be a world-class assassin. And it, it plays more on what's going on in his own mind than it does on him jumping around slicing and dicing. Yeah. And, you know... If I was going to go with, you know, the more stylized thing that I think Tim Miller may have brought to the second one, it's the yellow thought boxes that where <laughs> you know, Deadpool's having the conversations with the two other voices in his head and, you know, himself. And, I you know, that was something I really wanted to see in the first movie, and I felt like it was the only thing they missed on 
was you know that yellow thought box popping up on the screen and just being there. <laughs> you get a little you know. bit of his conversation, like especially on the beginning of the freeway sequence when he's counting the yeah. bullets. Yeah, it, it, it's a just, little bit of that. Yeah, it, they, they, the different thought boxes, like the yellow thought box and the white thought box, and Deadpool himself all have a little bit of their own different personalities. Whereas okay, I felt I like you. he was he was kind of talking to himself just as one single, you know. Right, right. And uh, I was hoping for the multiple personalities to kind of p- poke through, and I think M- Tim Miller would have brought that to it. But yeah, I mean, typically, you know, sequels are bigger and better. You get more yeah. of the same, but bigger budget, and they can do more with it. But that doesn't always work out for sequels, so. If they're keeping the budget down to keep it more stylistically what the first one was, I'm, I think I'm, I'm cool with that. I can deal with that. Yeah. Um, and as far as a replacement for Miller, would you like to see David Leitch do it? Co-director of John Wick? I, I think he's excellent for the action sequences. Um, I don't know how well he's going to direct the comedy. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, we don't so... know what he's... Unless he's just going to leave it up to Ryan Reynolds, and that's going to be yeah, the end of it. Yeah, that's kind of what I would do if I were the director. I'd be like, okay, this is how the action sequences go. Adjuncts, please. <laughs> <laughs> just improv something. Just go yeah. for it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, like to me, if he was still alive, the guy I would love to see directing it would be Harold Ramis. But uh, yeah. un- uh, unfortunately, Harold Ramis is long gone at this point. But Ivan Reitman did a pretty good job with the comedy, too. Yeah. I feel like Harold Ramis got a lot of his directing um, cues from Ivan Reitman just because he was in so many Ivan Reitman films that he kind of like took his direction that way too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, it would be nice to see, but I don't think we're going to get quite to that level of director to come for the movie. And... I don't know. Maybe it's really hard to say because I don't know that we've ever really seen Leitch give us something that had that kind of comedy to it. And, you know, if Reynolds is going to direct the comedy ends of it, that's great. But how, how much input does Reynolds have in what he's done before comedically? Yeah. So... Well, if if uh, if Leitch isn't able to do it, say he's unavailable for whatever reason, does anybody have a backup? Another director they'd like to see? I don't really know. Like the, Tarantino was being thrown around for this movie, and I don't know if. Uh... Mm, it, I, I feel like Deadpool isn't about the gore, <laughs> and Tarantino. That's that's a, a key component to a lot of Tarantino movies. Yeah, he's bloody. Um, yeah, he could probably deal with the humor aspect of it and the action sequences Tarantino has are usually pretty solid but I I, I don't think they're going for the gore I think the, no. yeah the <laughs> R ratings that they get isn't because of the, the goriness of it yeah the, to me I mean there's a lot out there to choose from but uh... yeah I know it's like you know, hitting you on the spot, so I don't really know. I'm, I didn't really expect an answer on the spot, but I didn't know if anybody had anything in the back of their mind. Because I think Tarantino was basically like fan petition. I don't think his name is actually being thrown around. I think it's just like fans are like, oh, he'd fit. Let's try to get him in there. Fan petitions never work, so he's not going to get the job. Well, the, the fan petition to get Deadpool made did work. 
that wasn't a fan petition. That was just everybody bootlegged the crap out of that video, and it got hits on social media everywhere. That well, yeah, that you, was the move that got that movie made. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't an actual petition, but I think in a way it was. Like people were like, "Yeah, now they have to make this movie." You know, I mean, that was pretty right. much every response to it when it first came out was, "Now if they don't make this movie, we hate them." You know, <laughs> yeah. so. I I don't have a off the top of my head good choice. Okay. To... Yeah, me neither. Really, I just figured I'd throw that out there. Um. All right. So I'm gonna break up my little uh schedule and outline here because I think we're gonna have to let Andy go in a little bit. So we're gonna try to get in one more topic that he wanted to talk about before he gets out of here. Um. So we're gonna jump to the end. Uh, Nintendo unveiled their next console. So what was once being referred to as the Nintendo NX is now the Nintendo Switch. Uh, they put a three and a half minute video out that reveals sort of what you can do with the system, uh, and you can watch that online. I put it on the Facebook page, either one of those places. Uh, so it seems like Nintendo's trying to do something different. They're introducing a console handheld hybrid. Uh, the video seems to show like a docking station for a mobile screen, probably like the small size of a small tablet. You slide in the controllers on each side. You could take the mobile screen with you, so you're gaming on the go, and it's basically a handheld console. Uh, controllers are wireless. The video shows each controller supporting one player, so you can do multiplayer with one little screen if you wanted to, depending on the game. Um, the video also seems to demonstrate, like, you can put two mobile screens together and use each, like, the two controllers for each screen, so you can have four people on two screens doing some stuff. Uh, it looks like it's using cartridges that could be about the size of an SD card for these games. That's, that's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, the video also shows people taking the handheld and controllers all over the place wirelessly, being able to play the game either by themselves or somehow linking with each other uh, to play multiplayer games. Uh, Nintendo has promised a bunch of third-party developer support, which the Wii U and the Wii seem to be lacking, and I think uh, cut into their lifespan a good bit. Uh, and I thought it was kind of funny, but in the lead-up to the Switch reveal, Nintendo's market value jumped up a billion dollars. Everyone oh. was anticipating what it was going to do. After the Switch reveal, Nintendo's stock dropped 6.5% and negated that $1 billion that they just got in, mar- in-, in increased market value. Uh, so where do you guys stand with the Nintendo Switch? Look cool? Nintendo fans? What do you guys think? I think the uh, um, like little screen thing, it, 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 it looks like it's just the natural evolution of what Nintendo's been doing any- anyways. I mean, if you look at the GameCube, you could you could plug in your like your GameCube Advance and then and play like little mini games, doing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then they go to the Wii, which had like the moving functionality and whatever. And then they kind of introduced the Wii U, which kind of had the the little screen and the and the movement functionalities. And now this one, it's it's more of a mobile thing. Um, the one thing I was curious about was um, when you took. You're gonna have to have like fucking Wi-Fi everywhere, <laughs> like everywhere you go. To, to, like the only thing you can do with is you're gonna have to like you'll see a lot of them at <laughs> Starbucks. And well, I didn't know Wi-Fi if it's places. like if it's its own like mobile hotspot because it seems like they're just out places and then people like get together and they can play together. Like it doesn't matter where you're at. Like they're they're outside on like rooftops and shit in the video. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, are they gonna make you subscribe to like a, a data plan? For this, I, or, th- I feel like you, that's unlikely. It, I don't think Nintendo or is would it go one that of those, far. One of those things where you need to have Wi-Fi. To play. How well do you guys know the about the 3DS? Because the 3DS does some sort of like local multiplayer functionality like that, doesn't it? 
It I does. Uh, I had it a long time ago. I haven't played 3DS in a long time, but it did have a local multiplayer thing where, it, you know, it, it was pretty much kind of what you were saying, a little hotspot that would pick up other gamers and you could play if you were close enough. Okay. Um, yeah, I definitely know, think like, we need, like, some concrete details with this thing, but from the video, that seems to be what it, what they're showing. From what I looked up about it, um, it's essentially what you're saying. Uh, seems like that's going to be the case. They haven't released full specs on it yet, um, but it, it seems like that's going to be, you know, it's going to have a limited hotspot functionality to pick up and tell you, you know, these other gamers are in the same Starbucks that you're in, for instance, and if you're playing the same game, go ahead and hop on with them, or if your friends are nearby and they're playing, hop in and do it. Um, yeah. The only thing I was kind of thinking is, like, Nintendo still holds a pretty solid uh, uh, share of, like, the handheld market with the 3DS. Like, 3DS is still selling a buttload for them. This console, their own console, seems to encroach on what the like the 3DS market. Like they're going to get people that primarily would buy a 3DS handheld, and they might buy this instead. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're going to lose money from 3DSs, but they might sell more Switch consoles because of it. But I don't know if that's going to help them at all. Uh, I mean the the questions about this system are really numerous at this point. Um, Video is very very ambiguous. Yeah, in the the few specs that they did release, it does seem like you're going to have limited saving functionality when you're using the mobile piece, um, because they're not going to have uh, any sort of external hard drive for the yeah. system. It might uh, just yeah. be based on like cloud saves. Yeah, and that that's an that's a big issue. Um, so the other thing that they think is going to be a major issue for it is battery life on the handheld. Oh, definitely. Uh, Um, and they haven't really released specs on what the battery's like, you know, and (laughs) you can play it for an hour when you can, you know, take it away from that dock. Yeah. You've got an hour to play. So they'll, they'll, they'll have to have like an, another way to charge it too. So like if, like I'm say I'm going to Las Vegas and I want to bring my my uh, my handheld part. Like I'll leave the dock here, you know, and then I'll have to have something to plug into the into the handheld when I actually get to my hotel in Las Vegas. Just for example, that, that well, was one I read well. I mean the the dock itself isn't too much bigger than the the handheld itself. So if you're packing something up to take it somewhere, it you know you probably could take the dock with you because it's not very big. That's true. Um, what I had seen as well is that it is going to have a USB, uh, charging port. So um, you may very well be able to charge it right off the same thing you charge an Android phone or a tablet, a Kindle in your car or whatever. Right. It, it, that, that's once again, they, this isn't from official release specs, but that's the speculation at this point is that it will have a USB port, uh, not a USB port, but a USB charging functionality yeah um i guess we won't know until we get the true specs from nintendo right um i'm a little worried about how small those cartridges are too i feel like you're gonna lose that shit real easy yeah yeah they i mean i that's one of the things i 
with, with handhelds that has always been an issue in the last how many years now? It, since I guess the 3DS, since the DS, even they, you know, they were very small. Yeah. And you know, you almost had to have like a little carrying case and make sure that they're in there because the little tiny things, if you put them in your pocket, they're liable to get put through the washing machine or something. Every, you every little man purse of Game Boy games. Yeah. You know, just to have something so that it's not just in your pocket. See, when I watched the video too, when they put that little cartridge in like the top of the handheld, I actually thought that was like your save, like your memory card. Like that was going to be how you save the game. I wasn't even thinking that that could be, that could be the game. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, well, is they, it actually confirmed that they are the game and not the memory cards? Well, they te- they teased like way before they even named this that that Nintendo was going back to cartridges. Yeah, I think that's been the rumor, and I thought I thought I'd seen places say that it is taking cartridges. So I think people are assuming that's the cartridge size that okay. they're going to use. But again, uh-huh. like the the actual well, Nintendo hadn't really, I don't think, put out like you were saying. They didn't put out specs or officially like this is all the stuff that this is going to do. They just put the video out and are letting us sort of watch the video and figure out what we think it does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in I don't know. I think one of the issues that I saw perhaps was when I looked at like the uh, confirmed games list. It didn't seem very deep. At this point, yeah, launch titles and stuff, and yeah. you know, third party stuff will come later. But I am yeah. kind of excited to be able to play Mario Kart wherever the fuck I want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Hell> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there's something that could get me to buy it, Mario Kart, you know, especially yeah. if they do a new version of Mario Kart for it of some sort yeah. where it's like brand new. Well, as as long as I, I don't know if you guys played Mario Kart for Wii U at all, but the, they changed the battle mode where they don't have battle arenas anymore. You actually battle on the actual tracks, like you have to actually like drive around one way or the other, which yeah. I thought was really fucking stupid. <laughs> so hopefully they, they they get rid of that. If you're listening, to Nintendo, don't fucking do that, please. <laughs> yeah, the last one I played was just Wii. I didn't play for the Wii U. Yeah, I think it's the last one I did too. The racing's awesome for the Wii U. Like, I, it's it's really really good. But the battle mode fucking sucks. Big old donkey. Do you wah, do you wah. own a Wii U or just know someone that owns Matthew, a Wii U? Matthew Matthew does. Okay, so I've played it over his house a couple times. Um, Andy, anything else you want to add for the Switch? Because I know you got a jet. No, I think that's I think that's about it. All right then. Well, I think uh, it's probably a good time to cut you loose then. Okay. Uh, so you can go do adult things. We'll we'll keep jacking around. Yeah, work sucks. What can you do? <laughs> um, well, thanks for having me on again, guys. Uh, it was fun talking to you, and I will catch you guys later. Sounds good, buddy. All right. <laughs> See Peace. ya. Later. All right, so we had to let Andy go. He got fired. Uh, <laughs> Mike and I are going to hold it down for the rest of the show. We still got a couple other things to cover, and we'll see how well we do with just the two of us. And signing just off from the, the Switch, I will say... I still have not yet picked up a Wii U and played it once. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> so, either. Uh, to me, the, the Switch is something that the chances of me ending up buying one is very small. Um, I feel, I feel Mario like Kart I'd, on the road. I'd, I'd more likely buy this than like a, a Wii or a Wii U. Like I think my dad actually bought a Wii for the family. Like whenever we're all together, like that was something we did when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of sat there after we got tired of playing Wii Bowling over and over and over again. And I'm, 
for as big as a Nintendo fan I was growing up, it's it's sad that I don't really care about any of these consoles or games that much anymore. See, I the, the Wii, I still, when I picked up, what was it, Super Mario Sunshine for the Wii or something like that? The, the, the Super Mario title that launched with the Wii. Yeah. I was all about it. You know, I was like right there. I, st- I still can go back and pick up Mario 64 today and play it if I want. You know, like I can yeah. still go back and enjoy the hell out of it. That one, it was fun. Uh, I enjoyed playing the Mario games. It was just like there was nothing else there for me. I tried getting into Twilight Princess and I couldn't. I, you know, there was several games there. Like the only other ones I really enjoyed were the Resident Evil light gun games. And well, that's those... the thing. Like the the we flooded the market with a bunch of crappy games. They didn't have third party support, so there you didn't have like EA or you know like Ubisoft or all those people porting. Well, I guess they couldn't port because like 360 and PS3 were higher powered than the Wii. So mm-hmm. anything they ported down to the Wii looked like crap and played like crap. So nobody decided to do it. So you're not getting all those high profile games that everybody wants to play for the Wii. And the Wii just kind of faded away. But yeah. Nintendo still supported it with their core games. Uh, you know, Legend of Zelda, Super Mario. Those are the two big examples of that. Yeah. So I mean, still I found life that way. I, I feel like Nintendo is at the cutting edge of the innovation in the gaming industry, but they're not putting enough into their hardware. Yeah. You know, that like the power behind the hardware isn't there, but the ideas they're putting forward are fantastic. And, you know, Xbox and PlayStation tried to copy off of the success of the Wii, and it just did not work for either one of them. Yeah, how many I Kinect mean, games do you know that are out there right now? Exactly. And... It... it but people still play the Wii today. <laughs> you know, like, it's still... People are still playing it, even though it's, you know, very the old Wii at this point. some sort of crazy sweet spot where, like, my grandmother could pick up the Wii controller and play bowling. Mm-hmm. She like, didn't have to, to worry about them... some funky buttons. She could just yeah. make a motion. You throw, in, like, an Xbox controller in front of them, and they're like, what the hell do I do with this? There's too many buttons. I don't know what to do with these two sticks. Like... Yeah. It's not for the casual person. We hit that casual crowd incredibly well, and it sold a shit ton. Mm-hmm. And I thought Nintendo. I think Nintendo thought two years later or whatever. It, it seemed like it was really quick. They could do it again with the Wii U, and then they it didn't sell. Well, the, the Wii U just did not feel as different enough from the Wii. It seemed like the, a Wii with a really weird controller. Yeah, you know, like it. It, it really to me that's the way it seemed. Was like you're gonna get some. You know, here's our launch titles, and it was like, that just seems like a line of shit. Um, <laughs> you know, like you're releasing the same Super Mario Brothers that you released for Wii, but now it's on Wii U. Or actually, it was a DS port, wasn't it? It was a 3D. It was the 3DS Super Mario Brothers that launched with Wii U. Yeah, I honestly don't remember and which one it was. It, it, but, it, but it wasn't a new, wasn't an entirely new game. Right, right. And it was like... So what are you giving us as incentive to buy the Wii U? You know, they had some, like, I remember there was some goofy, stupid zombie game that came out with it. (laughs) And there was a few other just not enticing titles. And that's where you're going to sell your systems. And Nintendo has their own series going, but when's the last time Nintendo came up with a new game... You know, a new series for a game that was like, 
that looks awesome. I have to get into that. They don't. You know, PlayStation, Microsoft, they're innovating with games, but they're not innovating with the way you play them. And they're still selling huge numbers because people care more about the games than they do about the system. Right. Yeah, you know, Nintendo banks hard on their Mario brand, the Legend of Zelda brand. Star Fox came back pretty hard for a while. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Smash Brothers, I guess, could be considered part of Mario, but that was that's always real big. Yeah, and I don't know but any other like first party stuff from Nintendo that I feel like would Mario sell party systems. Was big. Oh, that's true. Yeah, systems, but it was big. I, you know, but we, you know, like it, they they market a lot of those things to kids. Like Smash Brothers, they just basically took all the characters they already have and said, "All right, let's make a silly fighting game out of it." Yeah. And it was fun, but to me, Smash Brothers got old in the first 20 minutes. You know, yeah. like, there was no replayability for me there. No, well, I will give I, I will give Nintendo, especially from this video, that they are trying to keep multiplayer gaming of, like, a more social experience. Well, maybe even gaming in general, a more social experience. It's yeah. not internet gaming. You're not a faceless person talking to some other faceless person and just using expletives at each other. They're yeah. promoting couch co-op, but the couch is mobile now. Right. Yeah, Which I mean that's something seems like that a I, cool way to do it. I I dearly miss about video games was sitting down and playing a game with a buddy and just having that be what you did for the afternoon. You know, you yeah. sat there on the same couch playing whether it was a football game or Mortal Kombat or playing Mario Brothers together, whatever it was. That was fun. That was a day, you know. And now you don't you don't get that. You they know, don't make like, games like that. You don't get split screen in games anymore. No, not at all. Like you get some co-op games where you're on the same screen, like you can do in Gears. Um, you can do uh, some of the Resident Evil games. You can play at the same time. You know the the third person shooters. I guess is basically where you're at with that. Yeah. You yeah. know, and. It's it's still fun, but it's not the same, you know? Like, you get sports games, and you get third-person shooters, and that's about it as far as couch games to go. So what Nintendo's doing is important, I think, for kids in gaming, you know? Because yeah. younger people are the ones that are going to do that. Most adults that have jobs, you know, that, when do I have time to actually, like, go to a buddy's house and sit for six hours? <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't. It's my Saturday. <laughs> yeah, like, I, and then you know, I get home, and because the grass wasn't cut and everything, I'm divorced. So you know. <laughs> life falls apart because I played six hours of games on my buddy's couch. Yeah, you know, it, but for kids, that's you know, it's a social experience for kids who are into video games, and it's really not there on the PlayStation or the Xbox. So nice to have that available. Yeah, that just brings me back to it. Makes me nostalgic for. Like, I used to have people over, I, I, at one point, like, the, my gaming systems were in the basement, so I could have people, like, come through the garage of the house, and just come through the garage into the basement, almost like my own little area, and we would hold, like, fighting game tournaments and stuff like that, on the couch, downstairs, or, or like, you know, the time when you had LAN tournaments, where they had different Xboxes all hooked up together with different televisions, yep. we used to do that with Halo, and it was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I did the same damn things, man, and they were, it was incredible. Like, the ones I always remember, you know, a lot of that with, you know, there was always, you know, the Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, 
you, you had to do things like that. And then there was the racing games where you could do the split screen tournaments and it, it was, you know, it, it was a social experience. You know, you show up and you've got a whole day of just sitting there and going at it. And like, yeah, there's something about just having everybody in the same room, just smack talking each other. Like it, it's yeah. different when you're smack talking in person as opposed to like over the internet with a freaking headset and stuff. But it, and, and was, knowing on the other end, you're talking to a 12 year old. There was a time, uh, I want to say it was well after Resident Evil 2 came out, but uh, my cousin had told me about him and his buddies challenging each other for speed runs through the game. Because, you know, it was always like that benchmark, could you complete it in under two hours? Yeah. And there was a time when myself and three buddies took a whole weekend, and we did speed runs through Resident Evil 2 through the, you know, the whole whole weekend and just kind of had like a prize for <laughs> whoever got the, you know, the best time. And... That that was just a blast. Just you know, I mean, it was the same damn two hours of game over and over and over again. But you still enjoyed right, right. it. So it was just something that you could do, you know. And now you can't even speed run any of the games that have a story mode in two hours. You know, like yeah, it's all you know. Like I think the minimum you're going to see now is like five, <laughs> and that that's that's not a speed run. That's endurance and will to now do we, it. Now we sound like the old men. Back in my day with these games. Well, the, was... <laughs> the games are different. I mean, that's something I'll give Nintendo a lot of credit for as well, is they do tend to stick to a more old school style of a game sometimes. You know, and there was games back in the day that, you know, you had to focus on and learn how to play and beat it through losing a thousand times. Oh, yeah. Everybody's attention and, span nowadays, they, they don't want to deal with that shit. Right, you know, today, you're, you're, if you're playing Call of Duty or you're playing, you know, it's like, oh, I got shot a few times. Hide under cover for a minute while your health regenerates itself. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? You don't have to find a health pack? What's going on? Like, you mean you don't have to risk it and hope that there's a heart behind that guy or something? Like, you know, you didn't regenerate health back then. Right, yeah, that's a new, yeah, what, it was more or less like uh, Halo. Halo, I think, was yeah, the one was that brought that around. Halo. Definitely was Halo. I mean... And then aimed, aiming down the sights came from Call of Duty. That was a Call of Duty thing that everyone's adopted now. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's... You know, like, it, it, I, I love the games that we have today and everything. It just, they feel different than games used to feel. Yeah. You know, like, it, the futility of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game on NES. Oh, my God. You know, like, as an adult, I have an Xbox loaded with... I shouldn't say this on live air. It's, I don't think it's legal. <laughs> um, but it, it, all, all, all the it, emulator it, stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I, like, a buddy of mine uh, had a friend that he bought it off of, put a terabyte hard drive into it, and just loaded it with everything he could. And so as an adult, I was able to go back and actually beat that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game and go back and beat Punch-Out and games like that that as a kid were basically impossible, you know? Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden was the one for me that always kicked my ass. I haven't gone back and beaten that one yet, but I can put it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> there's, um, there's quite a few there. <laughs> yeah, all right, so we're sort of getting sidetracked. I want to make sure we hit the other stuff before I could talk video games all day, so we'll have to, maybe we'll have to come back around to that for another episode. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to kind of backtrack us here, at least as far as my outline. We're going to stick sort of video game related, and then we'll get back into the movie side of things that we sort of skipped over. Uh, another video game thing that came out was the confirmation from Rockstar, and we got a short little trailer for Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, basically, I guess, I, I mean, there's not much to go on for the trailer. They don't give you too much besides showing some settings. Uh, you get to see a lot of shots of the wilderness and how fucking great all that stuff looks. Um, have you played any of, like, Rockstar games, GTA, or, like, Red Dead, or... I've played... Whatever? Uh, last GTA I played was 4. Um, okay. And I did not play Red Dead Redemption. Um, trying to think of any other Rockstar games I may have played. <laughs> I don't know if it was the same division of Rockstar, but, like, they did L.A. Noir was one. Uh, they did Max Payne 3, I think, was one of the Rockstar Studios. I don't know if I played 3 or not. Those games kind of got fuzzy. the first two, first two Max Payne's were Remedy. Yeah. And the third one was Rockstar. Okay. I don't think I played the third one. Um, no, yeah, I'm pretty okay. much, yeah, I'm not, haven't played I mean, It's not many. like a big deal. I was just curious, you know, your past experience with some of these games that they've done. Yeah, I mean, I, I played all the GTAs before and before, but that, that I think that's pretty much it for my Rockstar experiences. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely fucking love Grand Theft Auto. GTA, every time they do a Grand Theft Auto, it's like, oh man, how's it going to get better than this? And then you play the next one. You're like, I, I had no idea it could get this good. And I, I've said that about every single Grand Theft Auto. Red Dead, I, the first Red Dead Redemption, I got it, I picked it up I think like after the fact like maybe a year after it was out so I got like the game of the year edition and tried playing through it I still don't even think I beat it because it's so expansive and takes a while to get through and you get distracted just riding horses through the open wild west and stuff like that yeah uh, but yeah that's I mean you could even see going from sort of like playing Red Dead Redemption playing GTA 4 and then playing Red Dead Redemption and even like Max Payne and then going to GTA 5 they took a lot of the stuff that worked in Red Dead Redemption and Max Payne 3 and incorporated that stuff into a Grand Theft Auto setting. And it's it's a great mesh of all this fantastic stuff from these other games. Like, they took, like, the weapon wheel from Red Dead Redemption, which was a good way to switch your weapons and select what you want to use, and they took the aiming mechanic from Max Payne 3 that they've perfected and used it in GTA 5. So now you're... Because the gunplay in Grand Theft Auto games was never good. No. It, it kept getting better, but it never felt real tight, and, like, you could aim and shoot where you wanted to. GTA Five, I think, finally nailed that for them, and has a really good cover system and stuff that sort of came from Max Payne and Red Dead Redemption. Um, but, yeah, I think Red Dead Redemption 2 is one that's been rumored for a while. People were expecting it. We finally got the official, like, announcement that it was coming, and they're like, oh, trailer's coming tomorrow, so now we have a trailer. And there's a little bit of a voiceover. I really don't know what the story is about poster that they put out and even the trailer seems to focus around seven characters on horses riding into the sunset which I'm getting that magnificent seven feel okay which I think would be fit right at home for a Red Dead Redemption game I think that'd be really cool yeah and Grand Theft Auto 5 the the story of that game you were able to rotate and switch on the fly between three different main characters they could take that to the extreme for Red Dead Redemption 2 you could have seven main characters that could be a thing now. Okay. That's interesting. 
Um, I, I feel like that's a bit ambitious for them, but I'm saying if the, if they're letting you switch around like that for GTA, the next logical thing is to expand upon that. Right. It could be kind of cool to have seven main characters that you could sort of bounce around with at any given time or see different parts of the story from different people's perspectives. See, right there, like, instantly, I, I, I don't want to get off Red Dead Redemption, but that instantly, like, makes my mind travel to, like, finally, I think I figured out how they can make a Walking Dead game work. <laughs> and because, you know, it's the same thing where it follows so many different characters at once that they have you know, a couple it, Walking Dead games, too, I think they do. But none of them is really what you fully want out of it, because you, you want that open world Walking Dead game like the oh, yeah. what like the big one that they put out was Telltale put out like the story mode one where, you know, there's not really action. That's basically like choose your own adventure type type of thing. Right. Yeah, it's a, if you ever played um uh what the hell was the name? Quantic Dream made the game for PlayStation 3. Um Oh, is that like uh oh shit, Heavy Rain and stuff like that? Yes, yes, Heavy Rain. I think that the, it comes close to similar to Heavy Rain, where you don't really do much of anything in it, specifically like, you know, there's not an action sequence where you're going to fire the gun. It's a, maybe some quick time events. Right, right. But they never really, they haven't really nailed down like any sort of open world Walking Dead game ever. And I think that might be a way to do it, and Rockstar might be like paving the way for that to happen eventually. I think uh, Rockstar, I feel like, is paving the way for some sort of MMO. Like, the the, the GTA Online for GTA Five is basically an MMO. Really? It's just, like, not completely... Like, you're, you're confined to the island, like, that they have of Los Santos. Like, that's their city. But there's a bunch of different landscapes to go through. But it's so in-depth between, like, earning money to own apartments, to have garages, to have cars, to get insurance on cars... So, like, it's it's in-depth to the point where if you're playing online with other people randomly in the world, you have a car that you've bought and paid for. You've bought insurance on it, and you're driving down the road, another player comes by and blows up your car. They pay the insurance claim for that car so you can get it back for free and without paying any money. That's interesting. <laughs> it's that kind of in-depth of a world. Like, it's it still amazes me, the little shit that you can do in this in this place. Um, and they, they keep adding to that online world. It keeps growing. They keep giving you free content for that kind of stuff. And that hmm. kind of thing for, and you know, if you go back and play the first Red Dead Redemption and play online, you, there are seeds of that there. Like you could go into the open wild west and come across other players and just have shootouts in random towns and stuff like that and go after wanted posters. And, and I, I can't remember if there's more to it than that, but it was the basics of what GTA online could be. Now that they've perfected GTA Online, doing that setting in a w open Wild West environment with cowboys and Indians and shit, I think would be fucking fantastic. Granted, you can't own, like, a garage and houses and cars. Well, maybe houses, but you're not going to have a place to put cars, but you could maybe pimp out a horse or something. Yeah, sure. Or carriage. Maybe you get a carriage. Maybe you get some carriages. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put some spinners Rains. on those saddles. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it could be very interesting. Um, speaking of somebody, like I said, I've never played Red Dead Redemption in the first place. I know it's set in the West and everything, you know, the old West, but I don't know much else about it. Um, it sounds interesting enough at this point that I, you know, when 
2 comes out, I may pick it up. First uh, one's backwards compatible, if you have an Xbox One. Ah, okay. Yeah, they, they, finally, they finally started coming around doing that for Xbox One. It took them long enough to start putting a list together of games that were going to work. Yeah, and they keep adding games to that list, so... Yeah, they they said they were going to add like 80 games a month or something like that or some number. I, don't know if, I can't. <laughs> I don't think it's it was that 80. ambitious or that that many. But they they, they said they, a specific number some. per month. I can't remember what it was. Okay. Might have been 80 games total over so many months. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, that's maybe more likely. But uh, yeah, I think when, whenever the hype started getting generated that Red Dead Two was happening and that they were going to announce something, that was when uh, Xbox Microsoft announced that they were going to they put Red Dead Redemption backwards compatible so you can find it on the xbox store if you have an xbox one it's on on the xbox store you can get it and play it which i highly recommend i, I definitely think it's worth playing well, I, all this talk about red dead 2 makes me want to put it in my system and play it again for me the, those open world games like they, they kind of scare me a little bit because of what i've done with them before <laughs> um <laughs> like I, I think i told you when you brought up red dead 2 was I, I believe I was playing Skyrim when the first one came out, and I want to say I dumped like 400 hours into Skyrim without playing, you know, there was no online there, <laughs> that's just straight on your campaign, and yeah, yeah. I want to say it was like 400 hours to complete literally everything you could possibly do in the <laughs> game, and I got there eventually, but yeah, 400 hours was a lot of time invested in one game, and I feel like I missed a lot of things during that. <laughs> so somehow I grew a beard, and it wasn't there when I started playing. And that's where the beard came from today. <laughs> you know, it started with Skyrim. Um, <laughs> so, like, I tend any more to be more averse to open world games, and when I do play them, I feel like I don't get the whole experience because I feel like I try to really stick to the story, the main storyline alone. Yeah. Uh, because it's just, it's so much. Like, even we talked about the Assassin's Creed 4. I did the same thing with that. It's like, I can't help myself. You know, I, I dumped so many hours into that to fully upgrade absolutely everything you possibly could in the game. And then had to do everything you possibly could in the game and collect every little snippet of everything you possibly could. And it's like, alright, so I just spent the last month of my life doing this. Um <laughs> And, that's dedication right there. Yeah, it, it is and it, you know, that that's why I tend to shy away from it a little bit now and I, <laughs> I'm like I'm like good, Battlefront's nice. I can just pick it up, play for an hour and I can put it back down and yeah. you know, I didn't have to worry about collecting this that or the other. I I, I didn't have to make my income. I didn't have to make <laughs> sure I logged in three times that day to pick up that change and <laughs> you know, be able to buy the next thing and I mean, as far as games are concerned, I feel like Skyrim might be the most in-depth I've heard people talk about. So I don't think Red yeah. Dead Redemption is that in-depth. But, you know, just going off of other Grand Theft Auto games and other stuff Rockstar has done, it can be pretty... Like, there's a lot of stuff to get you distracted. Random oh, yeah. events, side quests, all the other, you know, exploring stuff. I think Red Dead Redemption has, like, a whole hunting mechanic. Mm -hmm. Hunting different animals to, to get resources for things. And, yeah, that's all in there. I mean, it, the, the the best way I can describe it to you, in the way that my gaming idea works, is if you remember the Ocarina of Time, uh -huh. there was a game in that called Bomb Chew Bowling. I don't even remember where, that game. It, you know, the, the bomb chews were the little, uh, they were bombs on wheels, basically, that had a little motor that propelled them forward. 
Okay. And, you know, you had to hit a target in the center, and and it would be either, you know, off-center, to the right, there was obstacles in the way, and it was usually chickens that were obstacles, and, <laughs> uh, you know. But I, I think I actually spent, like, three or four hours just playing that one day. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I didn't get it perfect yet, I didn't get it perfect yet. And it, I think it's an ADHD thing for me that ends up in that, <laughs> in, in that place where, you know, it's like, uh, I, I can't stop until it's perfect. Maybe it's an OCD thing, I don't know. But... It it gets to a point where like yeah I'll find that random in you know pick up Red Dead Two and they'll have like a shooting gallery thing and I'll spend a whole day just playing it because I get <laughs> so easily distracted by it that it's like oh this is fun and I'll you know lose ten hours of a day by playing that or something and you know it's fun but. I'll I'll probably still do it at this point because it's sounding like a game that I want to play. It's just. Because I dig games that are that immersive with a single player experience. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like. So, uh, I, I may go that route. Hashtag life of a gamer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. the struggle. The struggle is real. <laughs> um, yeah, so either way, we got that to look forward to next fall, fall 2017. So, I'm sure we'll get more information, more trailers between now and then. They're. they're they just wanted to get the announcement out there. Everybody can cool your jets. Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming. Yeah, it's a, um, you said like holiday next year. Something like yeah, that. everybody... Like, October, November is usually when a lot of those games release, I feel like, to prepare for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Everybody goes out shopping for Christmas in November now. Yeah. So. Um, all right, so I'm going to move us back up. we got two more things I want to hit. Um, i got another kind of a spiel for this one, too. Um, segueing sort of into the movie side of things, but still sticking with video games. Uh, there's a franchise that I absolutely love for the PlayStation that looks to be finally moving forward at Sony, which, I mean, I guess at this point, Sony is sort of really, really desperate for a bankable franchise in the wake of, like, things like Ghostbusters failing to take off and losing money. Um, so one potential franchise that they've been sitting on, uh, is Uncharted which is based on the popular Naughty Dog video game that Sony owns. Um, it's kind of been in development hell for a while. Uh, early on in its development, it looked like it was going to get made with David O. Russell directing, who's the guy that did like Silver Linings Playbook and uh, other ones with Jennifer Lawrence and Christian Bale. Why can't I think of the American Hustle? That guy. Um, it was supposed to be starring Mark Wahlberg, Robert De Niro, and I believe Joe Pesci was being thrown around for that, too. Um, real quickly, I guess, Mike, have you played any of the Uncharted games? Do you know anything about them? All but the newest one, yeah. Okay. So, if you were to describe sort of, like, the story of those games and what they sort of revolve around, how would you describe some of that stuff? Um... I would easiest, say... I was going to say, the easiest explanation I got is modern-day Indiana Jones. Yeah, I was going to say Indiana Jones and National Treasure kind of, yeah, okay. you know, it has that kind of feel, just a little bit more gritty um, than either of those, I would say. You know, like, there's there's comedy elements involved at times, and there's things like that, but I, I feel like, uh, is his name Nathan? Nathan Drake. Yeah, I, I, I feel like he's a much more gritty character than Indiana Jones. A little um, bit more of that sarcastic wit. 
Yeah. Kind of like yeah. kind of like John McClane, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, the, I would put him closer to that. He gets more of that kind of wit and he gets kind of more down and dirty than Indiana yeah. really gets. He's not as intellectual as Indiana Jones, but he's more of the adventurer than right. you know, he, he's going to climb and scale a strange wall and be able to do it just fine, but he's going to have to ask somebody about what this actually is. Yeah. Um, so do you know anything about the develop, like the old development for this movie? Like what David O. Russell was going to do? Cause he's got he, the way he described his take on this movie. It doesn't sound anything like what the games did. Yeah. I, I don't know what the old development was like. I have followed a little bit of the new stuff. Okay. Uh, but not um, the old stuff. Yeah. David O. Russell, I guess was in interviews after he'd been attached to this movie and talking about his idea for the film. Basically was saying uh, he interpreted the game's story into something sort of about a crime family that deals out justice in an art and antiquities world, with these characters going after heads of state or museum curators with sort of like a Soprano style of justice. Okay. Um, I mean, that sounds more like three than any of the others, but it's still not. Like, three, maybe a little bit, it sounds like, but not a lot. <laughs> yeah, for anybody that played the games and were listening to David O. Russell's interviews and how he talked about this game, I don't think anybody wanted him to direct this movie. And I don't know if it finally came around that way, that, like, it started getting enough bad press from people that were fans of the game, maybe they started to get vocal enough, but he eventually left. I don't know if the movie just maybe wasn't going fast enough, or if they finally took, you know, uh, people's opinions to heart, and were like, okay, this isn't going to work. So after that... They had the director of Limitless, uh, the movie, not the TV show. Uh, Neil Berger was brought on to direct. His interviews made it seem like he had an idea what the game was about. And and even possibly, I think even comparing it to Indiana Jones, sort of in a sense. So it's, I've been following this for a while because I really like the franchise and, and been waiting for this movie. So when I was reading interviews with him, to me, that sounded like he had, an, had a grasp of the character had a grasp of this, the adventure style of the of the games, and I was looking forward to seeing what he'd do with the movie. Uh, unfortunately, he left. It sounded like, um, I don't know, maybe just because it was being rewritten over and over and over again, that it just kept getting delayed and scheduling happened and he couldn't do it. Um, so now, Sony is reporting that the movie is being fast-tracked into production with Sean, I don't know if it's Levi or Levy, um, that's set to direct. He is most known for Night at the Museum movies. He directed a few episodes of Stranger Things, which he also produced, I think, for that series. And he directed, in my opinion, the very highly underrated Real Steel with Hugh Jackman. Um, so if Levi is the one to direct an Uncharted movie, how do you feel about that? Do you think he's a good fit for that movie, that franchise, potential franchise? Um... Somewhat, you know, it, it's a hard one to uh, once again choose a director for because, uh, you know, you have the guy that directed um, National Treasure out there, and uh, I believe I mentioned him before the show, John Turtletaub, and yeah, he would I actually think, be a great fit, right? I and he, if I was going to choose somebody, I would probably go with him, but. Sidebar, real quick. What's happening with Uncharted, or Uncharted, uh, National Treasure 3? Are they doing that? Is he still attached to that? 
I, you know, it's been one of those things that you, I Google search it every now and then to see if there's news and it seems like there's been nothing for a long time as far as anything new about it goes. Um, yeah, because I could have sworn that was happening at some point and then just the years keep going to. by and it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where it's been at, um, as far as I know, and... You know, like, it, even if you Google search it, the first thing that pops up is, why is it taking so long? <laughs> so, so, you know, like, it, it's, it, it is going to be a difficult thing to make right now, I think. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the path that Nicolas Cage has taken in the yeah, meantime yeah. Um, yeah. of just doing whatever crap comes up. <laughs> um, but to give you an idea, like why I would choose John Turtles up, you look at the rest of the things he's directed, you know, you go back, he did the national treasure movies. He did some episodes for Jericho, some episodes for Harper's Island. Um, but he also did the sorcerer's apprentice, um, the new one, of course. And, He's done work with Disney, basically. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he he's done a lot of work with Disney. But the movies that he is best known for have a very, very similar feel to what you would expect from an Uncharted movie. Um, yeah. I definitely think he could, he could convey that adventure side of it. I think that right. would fit really well. As far as the action... Uh, you know, it, it has some pretty awesome action scenes and some pretty big set pieces that Uncharted would provide. And I think he could handle that. You know, the the grandeur and a lot of the scenes from National Treasure is there. But as far as um, Levi goes, I don't know. You know, like, it, it he, he hasn't done anything that I feel like is similar enough. Like, National... Or, the Night at the Museum movies were about as close as he got, yeah. I would say, to what Uncharted would be, and that's not very close. Yeah, I think he's, so, he, you know, in my mind, he's not a proven action director. I think he'd need help with the action sequences and the eventual, you know, those big set pieces that are prevalent in the game and make for mm -hmm. some of the most memorable stuff you'll play. And it would be cool to see some kind of scene like that in a movie. But I yeah. do think... Uh, Levi's really good at characters in his movies. I think, you know... Yes. Night at the Museum movies are just, you know, kid-friendly movies, but I think the characters are done really well. If he's producing and directing for Stranger Things, those had excellent characters. Oh, yeah. And the best part of Real Steel is the characters in that movie. Yeah. So, if they can focus on getting, like, Nathan Drake right and Sully right and some of the other supporting cast and cast a good villain and you build the action around that, I think you got a good movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, if they're only going to do one and they're not going to make a franchise out of it, then, you know, at some point, whoever they cast as Nathan Drake is going to be, in my opinion, has to be climbing out of a train that's falling off of a cliff. <laughs> like, that to me is like, I think about the whole series, and that's one of the most memorable moments that happened in the entire set of yeah, games. Yeah, the, the opening of, uh, what is that, Thief's, Thief's, uh, shit, what the hell's the it's name two. of the title of the second one? 
It's not Thief's End. Thief's End's the fourth one, right? Yeah, yeah, the second one... Among Thieves. That's the second uh, one. Yeah, yeah, Among Thieves. Yeah, the opening to that game is one of the best opening sequences in any game ever. Yeah. Yeah, e- very easily a true statement. It, it, it's pretty incredible. And the the question I have is, if they do this movie, are they going to take the supernatural elements and put them in? Yeah. I mean, you that's know, in my mind, that's where Indiana Jones 4 went wrong. Among among other things, the like the science fictiony part of it should had no place with an Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I don't know. I guess Drake, like the the Uncharted games, um, there's always sort of by the time you get to the end of it, there always is some sort of like supernatural mythical thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the first one. It, it, from what I read, it seems like right now the way the plot's going is to follow. The first one, Drake's Fortune, you know, it, it's that it seems like that's what it's going to be following if it's made as is currently. Yeah. And I believe at the end of that one's the where you get like the, the almost like mummy the zombie snow. things. Oh, that, that was the mummy zombie things. Was it the second one with the snow apes yeah. or whatever they were? The, yeah, because that finished things. in like Nepal or something. Okay, yeah, they, they those are the ones that I think would go over kind of crazy. The mummies popping up. I think is more accepted in our movie culture as is. I don't remember if they were like, like what the hell? The I just remember being like dark uh, basement cavern areas at the end of that game with like just things that were almost like, all, like running at you on all fours, but they were like people. Um, I'm gonna search it and see if I can <laughs> find an. There's got to be a term to... for it, and they probably use that term in the game. But I, it's been a while since I played the first one. I just remember being overrun by those creepy, creepy type of guys. And I figured they were more they or less look kind of like the uh, best way I could put it, it's like a cross between a mummy and the creatures from the movie Descent. The Descent. Um. Okay. <laughs> you probably haven't watched Descent. I have Descent. not. Okay, they they well they're, they're it's very similar for the listeners out there that they that's what they would kind of look like. Um, yeah, somebody out across. there your frame of reference. It just won't be me. Yeah, the, the, it's a very popular horror movie. Um, <laughs> people people love it. I, I wasn't quite as big on it as other people, but a lot of people were really into it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they'll go that route or not, but. I mean, I really don't think they have to, and it kind of surprises me that, like, this movie has taken so long to make because I feel like it's, I feel like there's not a lot of movies out there that have a modern setting for like an Indiana Jones style adventure film. Right. I feel like that's a genre that's lacking, and and for them to be able to just make a movie in that vein and put it out, I think you'd you'd get an audience for that because there's nothing else similar to that out there right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it. it... The people who write these games for Uncharted, I don't know who they are, but the people who are writing the Uncharted games do a fantastic job of researching things for him to go after in history. You yeah. know, historical items. I, I want to say in the in Drake's Fortune, he's looking for El Dorado, um, and you know that he, 
he's, he's basically looking for a treasure hidden by Sir Francis Drake, which is why it's called Drake's Fortune, who I, I believe he also turns out to be like an ancestor of. Yeah, it's somehow like, a relative of his. Yeah. And it, it, it has a very good feel to it. It's a very cinematic game to play. Um, it's one of the few games where, like, I don't even have to be playing it. I'll just be in the room watching it when other people play, and it's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, as long as they just don't keep dying in the same damn place. Yeah, then you get frustrated. Just give me the damn controller, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it, it it's a game you could just watch a playthrough of like it was a movie, if it was short enough. You know, I mean, it'd be a long movie. But you could watch a playthrough of cutscenes, and it would work. You know, Yeah, there and, are so many memorable cutscenes and and uh specifically like I always seem to gravitate towards the third third one in the cargo plane. Yeah. That was fucking cool. There's a building that's like falling down in the second one that you have to play through and like jump out of while you're being hunted through a city by a helicopter. Yeah. There's yeah, a whole I, train I sequence in that times. one too that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and they they film it for the game cinematically in a lot of cases, you know, like, oh, where, yeah. yeah, you know, the camera angles and everything you're playing the game, but you're not exactly in that standard third person perspective the whole time, you know, you'll hit a point and you'll still have to be running, say along the edge of a cliff, but they'll take the wide angle view for you to do it so that it looks cinematic. You know, the yeah. camera angle switches to different perspectives that a movie would do. You know, and it's a very interesting way of filming the game. And I, I don't know if God of War did it first or if Uncharted did it first, but whichever, I'm pretty sure it's one of the two that really innovated that idea. Yeah. And just fantastic in what they do with it. The other thing that might take a while to get over, too, is I'm so attached to these characters in these games from what the voice actors bring to them. Oh, yeah. And if that doesn't translate into a movie or if the, if the characters in the movie don't act like how I expect them to from the game, like that's going to rub me the wrong way, I think. And it kind of scares me, but I want to see this movie enough that I'm curious to see how they, how they interpret that and what they do with it. Yeah. I mean, part of me just wants to see Nolan North like be Nathan Drake in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. That, that would not be bad. I mean, the, the voice acting was perfect for the character. You know I mean? He, absolutely nailed the character's attitude and everything to make him he defines the character that way you know like without yeah, I think that voice he, acting it doesn't work because he brought a lot of his personality to, to Nathan Drake and it sticks out and now you're accustomed to that and that's what you want now so it's like why not just get that guy to be the person in the movie yeah I mean I'm not actually 100% familiar with what Nolan North even looks like um, he kind of looks like Nathan Drake, to be honest. A, a little. I, I don't know if he has big screen movie chops. Well, that's the thing. You can't put Nolan North as a title card in the movie, and then people are like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to go see that now. Like, yeah. Obviously, you need star power to bring people into this unknown franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not an easy casting because there's a lot of guys that could fit the physical role that have some of the you know, personality attributes. I think there were two names that I remember, like, early on in development that people were fan casting for this. Bradley Cooper was one, Nathan Fillion was the other. I would dig Bradley Cooper. 
I dig Nathan Fillion in anything, but I think Bradley Cooper's an excellent choice. Um, I feel like Nathan Fillion would hit the the aspect of the the humor side of that of Nathan Drake like perfectly, like the style, the sense of humor and uh, the you know I don't know the stuff that Nathan Drake does just speech wise would be Nathan Fillion to me. Yeah, I, I I agree. I just don't know if Nathan Fillion at this point in his life can pull off the physical aspect of making it believable that he's climbing a cliff. Right. Yeah, um, I think I think or, this movie took too long to get going that I think he's a little bit too old for that role. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Like, yeah, his personality, he's perfect for it. But once again, it, it, his age, I think, is going to play against him there, and Bradley Cooper's star power, if they go that route, is m- much bigger than his is. Right, um, yeah. They're, they're not even in the same league, so... Well, I think the longer they wait, I've, you're not going to get in either one of those, I think. But if this movie starts getting moving quickly, I mean, that's going to be the next test. Who they cast as Nathan Drake. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be an important step is in determining how successful the movie's going to be. Because off the top of my head, I can't think of who I'd like to see that would conceivably get the role as Nathan Drake. But it, once that's announced, like, I'm either going to be like, yeah, okay, I'm totally on board, or it's going to be like, I no. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like that's definitely true because it's that way for a lot of things like this where you have a almost an emotional attachment to the characters where if it's not the right person, it's going to ruin it. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, the person I would say that you know, in addition to Bradley Cooper, but I would say Chris Pine would be a good choice. Um, I can see that. Yeah, that could work. He, he, he's the only other one off the top of my head that I think could pull it all off. I actually think Chris Pine is a lot funnier than people make him out to be, so I think he could surprise a lot of people with that role. Yeah, I agree. Do you see Horrible Bosses 2? Not 2. No, I haven't seen the second he one He is yet. fantastic in that in that movie. He's probably the best part of that movie. I can see that. You know, he, think, he's the best part in a lot of movies. <laughs> that was that was the one I think for me that I was like, "Holy shit, this dude's actually really funny." I for me, the one that did that was uh, whatever the hell the movie was with him and Tom Hardy. Um, oh, the uh, this is war. This means war. Yeah, they were the great fight in over, that fight over Reese, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, which is totally believable. <laughs> She's both our age added together. That's going to work. Uh, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I think he could definitely do it. Yeah, you know, now I'm, I'm kind of on board with that. I think you've convinced me with that, like, that pick. I mean, and honestly, I think Liam Hemsworth looks the role, but I wouldn't want him in the role. Like, yeah, he that's looked fair right. Too. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think he can pull off the comedy of that at all. But yeah, he's I feel like one of these times I'm I'm like I'm waiting for him to be like, you know, I'd see something with him in it and be like, "Okay, I'm on board with you now. I like you." And I still yeah. haven't got there yet. I've seen him in a couple things and none of them have really won me over yet. I mean, I don't know if the, it's him or the roles or what. He played the character right in The Hunger Games, but it just wasn't a character that He didn't get enough to do in that movie or in that series. Yeah. And I I was completely looking forward to Independence Day, but nothing about him was very memorable from Independence Day. No. No. Independence Day to me was a 
the the new way. Oh my goodness, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I it we... was all, it was fun, but it was not good. <laughs> yeah, when I get to the point where we do like year end wrap up and like you know favorite movies and worst of the movie, I, that right now that's my worst of the year. I had such high expectations for that movie and it fucking sucked. I, but I don't want to get bogged down in that. We got we're run, we're already over time. I feel like, and I got one more thing I want to hit. So we'll see how quickly we can get through it. Um, we got one more movie that lost a director. So this is on the DC movie universe front. Uh, the director of Ezra Miller's The Flash movie, Rick. I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. Femi Yuwa has left the project. Uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about this at, at one point before, because this movie lost a director earlier in the year. Uh, so this he's not the first one to leave this movie. Uh, Seth Graham Smith was the original director, and then he left citing creative differences. Fumi Yuwa uh, also released a statement and said that he backed out due to creative differences. So, I mean, I guess the biggest difference between this departure and the one prior is that when Graham Smith left. It was before the movie really started getting going, so they could pull in another director and not have to worry about fixing too much stuff. They're knee-deep into pre-production for this movie. So if they get another director for this, they either have to start from scratch or keep some of the stuff that another director did and hope it works for this new director, which is not usually really a good thing to do. And if they start from scratch, is that going to delay the movie, or are they going to try to just rush it out as fast as they can with this new director? So... You know, we'll have to wait and see what kind of ripple effect this has on this movie. Um, and I feel like we ask this all the time, but is this a bad sign for DC movies? Is this other DC movie now in trouble? Should we be worried about The Flash? Well, here's my first question. Uh, since I don't watch the series on television, is this the same continuation from the TV show? No. Or it's going to be a whole new Flash for the movie series Flash. only, unrelated? Unrelated. Okay. Unrelated to the TV show. Right, that's what um, I mean. Like They're not tying the TV universe in at all with the movie no. universe. They're just Which saying, a, like, we're going to have our own Flash, our own Green Arrow, our own, you know, everything. Yeah. Which is okay. really a big complaint, especially for people like me that invest in these TV shows and absolutely love what Grant Gustin is doing on TV, that he is... You know, you feel like he's earned a spot in the movies as Barry Allen. Um, but the good thing about the Flash TV show is it also has established the multiverse. So if they really wanted to, they could say that the movie versions of all these characters is just another Earth somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, all the all the movie stuff ties together. All the TV stuff ties together. They are not one and the same. They're two separate. Okay. That I'll go from there then. As far as the movies will go, then. Um, DC is fighting, and I hate to say it this way, it's fighting a losing battle. Yeah. Um, they, they make mistake after mistake after mistake on these big budget films that didn't necessarily have to happen. Um, I, I know you have a particular dislike of Zack Snyder. Um, he, yeah, he's not my first choice for a lot of these. And I, you know, at first I was on board but after I'd seen what he did with Man of Steel and even more, you know, lately, Batman v Superman, I kind of just want a different take. Yeah. Someone else to come in and try their spin on DC characters and see if they can work within that universe to make it a little bit better, in my opinion. But we're at well, least getting one more with him. We're at least getting Justice League with Zack Snyder, so we'll see what the hell he does with that one now. 
it, my my biggest problem, and I think well, maybe not my personal problem, but I think the biggest problem they're having with competing with Marvel is that they are creating a very dark universe, right? By comparison, and you know, the money's in the fun, and the Justice League can be a ton of fun if it's done right, and. You know, Batman should be a dark universe, but the whole universe doesn't have to be dark just because your Batman has to be dark. That's what makes the Justice League the Justice League, is that you have this dark character in Batman coming into the all smiles and take your vitamins of Superman, <laughs> you know, and the the conflicted moral character, the moral center, the one I always felt was the moral center was the Flash. Yeah. Um, and you have these conflicting characters that can come together to perform amazing feats against overwhelming odds. And it doesn't have to be dark for that to be the case. And if you're not reaching out to a younger audience with the fun of it, you're also not going to reach out to the child in all of us that remembers the things we loved as kids. Sure. Yeah. You know, you want to look at what Christopher Nolan did with Batman and say, I want to do that, but I want to do it for Superman, and you're the fans of Superman, and the reason why Superman's so popular is because they didn't do that with Superman. Yeah. Um, you know, Superman was a whole different ball game than Batman. We don't want, you know, a Batman movie that's with extremely overpowered characters. You know, like, that's not what we want. We want Superman, and they weren't giving us that. So, when they go to do a Flash movie, is it going to be a dark movie again, where a character that doesn't particularly need to be a dark movie, and the same goes for Wonder Woman. You know, what, what's that movie going to be like? Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but at the same time, I my expectations are very low at this point for where I'm going to come out of these movies at. And actually, and... I think Wonder Woman had a director, another female director lined up who left the project due to creative differences, but they were able to throw in Patty Jenkins really quickly before that got started, so she picked up the pieces and was able to salvage that movie, and that's what we're getting. Yeah. So, and even at the time when Graham Smith left The Flash before this other guy replaced him, the same rumor that came around right at that time was that James Wan was going to leave Aquaman because he couldn't figure out how to make that movie. Now, he's since come out and denied that, and he's still attached to Aquaman, but it seemed like everybody was jumping ship from DC movies. The yeah. only one they can fucking keep is Zack Snyder. Yeah, and that's because nobody else wants to hire him, probably. Or, <laughs> <laughs> But, no, I mean, it's not that I had a particular dislike for Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman. I didn't mind them that much as movies go, but... As a fan of the characters, they bothered me. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as I hate, I'm sorry, Ben Affleck, but as soon as they announced that they're gonna make you Batman, my heart fell into my ass <laughs> on that one. It was just like, no, I'm just, I can't deal with this right now because he's not Batman. We we don't want Ben Affleck as Batman. You know, the reaction to that um, should have told him all he needed to know about that choice. You know, so you didn't like, like Ben Affleck's Batman. Um, I mean, I understand. That I didn't might have been your mind initial it. Reaction, but did it grow on you or change after seeing the movie? I didn't mind it as much as I thought I was going to. Okay. Um, 
not going to say that I liked it, but I didn't mind it <laughs> as much as I thought I was going to. Fair enough. Um, that being said, there were still many better choices out there. You know, in many better routes to go than Ben Affleck. Okay. Um, and I don't know. It just they're going down the wrong path and they're just plodding right along and plowing right through saying we're doing it anyways. Yeah. Cause you know? if any movie's going to lend itself to being fun and exciting, the flash should be the one to do that. Yeah, exactly. And, but they, I, I just don't trust them to do it. You know, like the flash and wonder woman, both wonder woman should be the same thing to me. She was a very flashy character. It was very, colorful, very vibrant world where, you know, it wasn't, it, there was no inner conflict within Wonder Woman. She was just good for the sake of being good. And, you know, she wasn't, it wasn't that there's not all that inner conflict in so, a lot of these characters like Batman has, you know, yeah. they're not, I lost my parents as a kid and now I have to do this because I'm a vigilante and I'm just, going to seek justice in well you can't do that with every character and it seems like they're heading yeah. down that path of i don't know it, it I'm, I'm rambling on about the darkness of it it, just, <laughs> it bothers the hell out of me that superman was a dark movie in man of steel it was like yeah can we make this fun can we get the song can we you know like have him saving a cat from a tree like just because it's ridiculous for superman to be needed for a cat from a tree you know, like <laughs> so do you think it's like just that difficult to adapt a flash movie or do you think it's more like well we got to keep this in line with all these darker tones and no one wants to make a flash movie like that so they keep leaving i think it's a bit of that and i think it's a bit of it's difficult to adapt flash um i feel there's three dc characters in the justice league that deserve their own movie and you're getting the third one obviously in wonder woman the Flash, Aquaman, uh, John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, Cyborg. Just bring them in on as, you know, part characters in other full-fledged movies. Because... Manhunter hasn't even shown up in anything. Right. But you, you know what I'm saying. They're like they, he's a Justice League member. He's a quintessential member of he the comic is, yeah. Justice League. He should he should be on the team, but he's not going to be in the movie. And there's no plans for a solo movie or anything for him. Right. It, 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 I, I just think these characters. I mean, especially Aquaman, but the Flash as well. It's not. You're not going to be able to grip people for that whole movie. You know, the Flash is a one trick pony. <laughs> you know, he's, you'd he's, think that, and yet we're three seasons into a television show with the Flash, and I'm like, this is the fucking greatest thing ever. <laughs> right, I, I get that, but he's still for a movie. It's there's only so much you can do with a really fast guy, and if they were gonna do like honestly a Quicksilver movie off of the last two Fox movies and put Evan Peters in there. I would watch two hours of Evan Peters running around <laughs> different rooms and doing crazy shit for the comedy of it. But one, they can't steal that idea and just take it and, you know, go with that. Everyone's going to say, oh, X-Men did it first, or they did it better. Right. 
in so you you have to it, he doesn't translate well to a movie he just you know the flash it's kind of like the way they translated quicksilver is perfect for a bit piece in a movie yeah and translating the flash is like so we're gonna see a zip across the screen and everybody's gonna fall and <laughs> you know like oh okay he wins again and what well, I guess really we'll have happened. to see what they what they do with him in in Justice League because he's he's got to have a role he's gonna be part of the team he's got to have a somewhat prominent role in that movie right and I guess we'll see how they stylistically use his powers and what what we'll see how they'll do it and I would think that same thing would translate into a solo movie since that's coming after Justice League yeah I mean and he, so maybe we'll have to I'm, wait and see after Justice League how you feel about this. If if this is going to be a better movie on its own, I I don't have faith in the team they have making these movies with <laughs> Snyder. <laughs> like I just don't I don't have faith in them to do it right. And you know, once again with the Flash and the Justice League movie, he's a character who, much like Aquaman, uh, is going to be, in my opinion, completely out of their element and overpowered by Darkseid. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 only two that can actually well three if you if manhunter manhunter was going to be there that can actually stand up to dark side in any way shape or form that's meaningful are superman wonder woman and manhunter the the rest of them like batman's you know he's really smart and everything but there's not really any gadgets he has that right work for that yeah so I, 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 you know, I like that they're bringing the Flash in. I like that he's going to play a part role first, but I, I just don't, you know, understand how he's going to play a factor in that. Yeah. Yeah, we're still at the wait and see approach, and I say that I think every time before a DC movie comes out, it's like, well, this is going to be the like. This is know, the one. <laughs> yeah, when when Man of Steel came out, I was like, okay, they're going to re you know, try this you know, DC universe, let's see what they do. And then that kind of was crap to me. And then prior to Batman and Superman, it's like, this is going to be the one It's going to make or break this universe. And then I'm still like, I don't know how I feel about that. So now it's justice league's turn. This is the one that's going to make or break the universe. So yeah, yeah. I mean, wait and see. Yeah. And I feel like the same problem with dark side that all these movies run into now, like it, it, for the MCU, if, Thanos gets a hold of the Infinity Gauntlet. They haven't brought a character in yet that could stand up to him. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's like, alright, so... And Captain Marvel's even now rumored not to be in that. Like, oh, okay. Like, I heard that rumor, so it's like, okay, so you really don't have anybody now. <laughs> <laughs> so Just have to with, wait and see for Infinity War too. <laughs> yeah, it, it's gonna be who's gonna have powers that are over the top. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, they, DC, did, it, it definitely looks down right now, the way things are going with the directors. Yeah, so we'll have to see, I guess, at this point, who they bring in to replace him, and how soon they do it. Because the longer they wait, the worse it's going to be. And how long that person stays. Well, that too. They gotta, it's, hiring, one per, hiring someone is one thing, keeping that person around is the other. Yeah, seems like that's their issue. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up because I think we went a lot longer than I expected us to. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, I guess just time for me to plug all my shit. If you enjoy the show, please stop by iTunes. 
Uh, you can leave us a five-star rating and reviews there. Be sure to share and subscribe to the show. That'll help us out. Uh, you can also find us on iHeartRadio and Stitcher, so you can fa favorite us or subscribe, whatever you do, to either of those sites to be able to come back to us in the future. Uh, you can find a Facebook page for the show, obviously on Facebook. You can go to www.facebook.com slash Superfriends. Find the page there, leave us a comment, question, give us a like, all that good stuff. Uh, as I mentioned, next week, hopefully, most people will get around to seeing Doctor Strange, so next week we can record our review for Doctor Strange. So that could be something you have to look forward to. Other than that, uh, on behalf of Andy, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.